Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. 8.40 to go. Second quarter, an 11-point lead, and that might grow. Jeremiah Trotter, touchdown Clemson. 365 Sports is presented by IdealMRI.com. High-quality MRIs for $497 or less. IdealMRI.com. Your health is important. So is your budget. We got a big stage for Kansas with the ball up by three. And Jason Bean wants to throw. Deep shot. Arnold! He is gone! Oh, oh my goodness. 365 Sports is also brought to you by Texas Farm Bureau Insurance, protecting Texans since 1952. Will Howard backs up into the shotgun. Empty backfield. Howard looking. Howard scrambles. Howard lets it go. Incomplete. And Texas survives. If you subscribe to our YouTube channel, search 365 Sports on YouTube. Brought to you by TFNB, your bank for life. Second down and five. Alabama can get a first down at the six-yard line. And it's Jalen Milrow. Pump fakes. Jalen Milrow. Touchdown, Alabama. Again, four for number four. 365 Sports is turbocharged by Unite Private Networks. Find out more at UnitePrivateNetworks.com. Brown, the slot at the bottom with Stephon Johnson. Quarterback keeper up yep. the middle. Run. For two. There it is. Donovan Smith. Houston celebrates. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. And here we go. 365 Sports as we start the first full week, I guess you could say, in November. Last week, of course, a couple of days to end October. This is a Monday, which means we have college football evidence. And we also have the schedule of games coming up at some point. Congratulations to Kyle Visser, TexasBeefHouse.com Pick'em winner, just outside of Houston in full share. He is the winner. Samantha Duvall's already been in touch with him already. Congratulations to Kyle Visser. $100 gift card, thanks to Kim Coulter, 
to TexasBeefHouse.com. And I did this during the pregame with us on Saturday. Retired stockbroker reached out to me last week. He was in town for the Houston win, the overtime win against Baylor. He was there, met him, enjoyed meeting him. Retired stockbroker, who's kind of like the piece or the uh, – uh, who you may want to say kind of runs the principle of the uh, chat room in some ways. Hey, here's why I'm glad we get to you get to meet people in person. It'll take pictures that we'll show on YouTube. It means that he's not on the run from the law. <laughs> that's it, uh, and that's yeah. a good like, or he's just emboldened by uh, anything and will do it. So of those two extremes, I respect either. Uh, and so, yeah, that's good. Thank you for the cold beer, retired stockbroker. I enjoyed meeting you, your friends. Your wife was there too. So there we go with that. All right. Texas, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and West Virginia flexed. Houston got a big win. UCF with their first Big 12 victory. Much more to get into. In fact, there's former Baylor commit, and then he played, of course, at Auburn, Cam Martin, in the locker room. UCF got their first Big 12 victory in the win against Cincinnati, congratulations to the Knights. Yeah, I think Cincinnati's first Big 12 win is not coming in 2023. I think it, it's going to have to wait a, a little while. It's not a great team. UCF um, is just a team that can't finish. You know, that they're, they, can, they can do some things, but they're not deep enough to beat Big 12 teams yet. Um, you know, the... The other games in the Big 12 are a lot bigger. You know, of course, we were, you know, uh, privy to uh, the Houston-Baylor game, which was two teams that are not very good uh, going into overtime. But uh, one team looked better than the other for the entire game, and and there's implications for both coaches after that one, positive and negative. Uh, Texas held off Kansas State, which I I want your opinion on this, guys. Okay, I'm not sure if I'm ready to say that Texas could go in and beat you know, say a Michigan or a Georgia or maybe even an Oregon, like they would probably hang with Oregon a little bit better, but like somebody like that. But I do think that they are in like the next phase of this is where you like last year, they would have lost that game against Kansas state in, in probably the stupidest way possible. Probably half of the last 10 years they yeah. lose that game. But yeah. um, I'm just as Sark, just Sark's personal evolution is the head coach of Texas in that program. Now they're winning those games. If they continue on this path, then then it won't get to the point where some of those games get late and get tricky like Houston and Kansas State have lately. They'll just take care of it. Uh, do you want me to hit on those three games? Let's hit on Texas yeah, and K-State first. Yeah, there's a lot of games. Uh, Texas and K-State, what a what a great win for Texas. I mean, what a, a terrific win for Texas. Uh, way too close for comfort there at the end, obviously. They look like they were about to just you know put a, a huge statement out to the world of, yeah, we're top 10, and you all realize we're top 10, but we're going to... We're going to go win the Big 12, and we're going to go roll through K-State, and we're going to you know, take care of them rather easily on our home field, and we're going to just keep on marching all the way back to Arlington. And um, you know, Then Kansas State decided to buck up there and uh, make it a, a bit more of a game, uh, particularly in the second half and that fourth quarter was uh, something else to, to behold. And you know, obviously just not enough there uh, for K-State at the end. Uh, the big call down there at the goal line, Texas gets a huge stop. Uh, that defense has made big plays for them all year long, and on a day where you know the offense had some moments but it's certainly not what you're you know accustomed to or what you're going to expect whenever Quinn Ewers does get back uh, your defense has been able to and and your offense too like these couple of weeks that starting quarterback get the job done right and that's all you can ask for them to do uh, when injuries arise so you know I thought Texas was really impressive in jumping out front that could have been an absolute disaster for them um, but they made the plays there at the end when they needed to to uh, to stem off the upset bid so 
tough, brutal loss for Kansas State. I think you're upset about the way you started that game, and then you're obviously upset. Probably some question the you know the fourth down call and and what you did there. Chris Kleiman said after the game that you know he would have done basically the same thing, um, and he didn't regret the call in any way. So you know they rolled the dice and Texas made a play, and that's what it comes down to is right players making plays ultimately. Yep. And so Texas made the plays there at the end. They made the plays in the beginning to give themselves that that bit of cushion and get out front and get that home crowd all rabid and and uh and roused and uh yeah that was a huge win for the Longhorns who now are, are sitting really pretty I mean they're gonna have you know obviously you know some people that want to knock them off um in these last opportunities TCU Iowa State Texas Tech but on paper you're picking them in every single one of those games and you're not really blinking twice about the fact that you're going to pick them in all three of those games no because a loss would have lost then a tiebreaker and you're a game behind right. at least with that Oklahoma eventually lost we'll get to that in just a second I still cannot fathom, as good as a coaching staff that K-State has with Chris Kleiman, I, the fourth down, go, okay, you score, everyone thinks you're brilliant. I still cannot understand what in God's name they were doing when they got inside the 10 in overtime. I, I just don't get that. They, 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 it's, it's the, the play with Howard, he got stopped. Then he tried to do like a Tim Tebow pass. It should have been pin or intercepted. I don't get what they did. And on one of the plays, how do you take your running back, Giddens, split him all the way out to the side and try to run a quarterback draw? I know Howard's pretty big and all that, but you're losing the option of the defense having to worry about one or the other or a lead back to pound the inside. But yeah, Texas I- made the plays. They're now in really good shape. Yeah, I don't like I don't even think the fourth down call like well, of course it's hard to tell because the fourth down call was just Texas's defensive line just eating their lunch. So yeah. I have no idea if yeah. that was a good call or a bad call because it they, they might have been the perfect call had three interior linemen not gotten swallowed whole yeah. by dudes wearing burnt orange and white, but they um I the the, the play, three plays before that were not Colin Klein's best work. You no, know, that's I, what I'm saying. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree quite, with you. I think I, a quarterback draw. You know, you go in. They've done that many times, but I, I just thought that they got kind of a little bit either uh, a little bit too fancy or what. But they obviously Texas defense had a lot to do with that too. Yeah, Texas made an incredible play. I mean, they they totally destroyed that play from the outset. Um, I would have gone for the field goal. I would have kept the game going because I feel like you had in momentum. that case. I would have too. Yeah, yeah. because oh, yeah. you know, and I understand Houston kicking it in Waco the way they were, but yeah. Baylor had flipped the momentum. Like, they had gotten all the momentum. They had scored a tight at the end. They'd scored first in overtime. And then you're, you're Houston, and you're like, well, this defense that have really stopped us. Like, we, we get the score. Let's just go for two. And especially knowing the play that they felt really good about running, and that worked to perfection. But when you're K-State, and you're the one that had come roaring back, and you're the road team, I get the idea of going ahead and, and going for it there. But I would have kicked the field goal and kept that game going. That's just, and I'm not saying that because it didn't work, but that's just me in general. I know if it had worked, we'd all be praising climbing for the, you know, having the balls to go for it there. But I just think in that situation, it would have been smarter, even though on the road, to just make Texas keep playing. They just fumbled a couple of times late in that game to allow you to have the opportunity. You were able to kick the field goal there at the end. You're able to, you know, get this game into extras. So why not keep playing? Why why cut yourself short and feel like you have to do or die? Your you know? offense was moving the ball. Yeah, yeah, like, and so I just didn't get the the. I didn't feel like they had to like go for it all right there you know and so that was and that they was stopped them you also on the previous drive right yeah exactly the if the kicker would have missed another field goal and still gone into overtime which he did he made the nice one the long one but he missed that other one and they had the extra point issue i'm not sure if that came into play but Kleiman said he would do it all over again so texas moves on 
almost advance. Kansas State now needs to take care of their business. They host Baylor this weekend. Now, Oklahoma State and OU and Bedlam, it was a great game. Oklahoma State kind of dictated the tempo, but Oklahoma hung around. It looked like maybe at the end, and yet they just could not get the the job done. There's a number, there's a tweet, and then Craig and Paul, you guys discuss it, about Oklahoma and uh, their coaching staffs with Stoops and Riley back-to-back losses in a season at Oklahoma. Stoops three times in 18 years. He had the great run. Lincoln Roddy one time in his five years. Venables has now had back-to-back losses four times in two years. Now, I know the first year was a year of transition with a lot of mess with the roster, but that's Brian Fisher with that note about OU with back-to-back losses, Kansas and now Oklahoma State. Yeah, um, Brett, you know, to defend Brent Venables, Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley never had to deal with what he had to deal with roster-wise a year ago. I mentioned that on yesterday. Yeah, yeah. so... um, I mean, that's a totally, totally different thing. So, uh, but it is interesting to see that. And of course, it's a new era of college football. There's going to be, I, I think Oklahoma's not going to be the only team that has these like ridiculous stats like that, that you're going to see pop up uh, over the next few years because everything is changing and changing rapidly. Um, o- Oklahoma, um, you know, like it, to me, it felt towards the end of that game that uh, Oklahoma State just kind of, kind of had a little bit of 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 destiny on their side uh, on that one and that you know they they just did everything right down the stretch that it took to, to win the game but a very evenly matched game and and Mike Gundy uh, has rattled off five in a row uh, after falling to two and two and I don't think that anybody saw that coming but Ari Temkin uh, like five months ago did he know yeah well he's the only one who picked him to win the Big 12. He's oh, the vote. Really? Yeah, good wow. for him. Didn't know that, but yeah, nice call on his part. And uh, yeah, what an amazing victory for Oklahoma State. I mean, you couldn't draw it up any better. Last Bedlam in Stillwater gets you into the top 25, gets you to 7-2 uh, and two now, and 5-1 and one where you're positioned terrifically to uh, be in the Big 12 championship game if you just handle your business moving forward. And now you got the head-to-head over Oklahoma. I mean, you're right there in the driver's seat and controlling your own destiny and, um, you know, setting up for what is likely to be a matchup against Texas at this point. You know, we'll see how these next three weekends go. I know that there's some that are eyeing that, like, spread in Orlando this weekend. And, you know, UCF not necessarily a team where their record says exactly who they are because of the way that they've lost games. So that is one where if you're Mike Gundy and company, I do think you need to be be mindful and be careful heading into the bounce house, but that's an awesome win for them. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma, I know there's the, the non-pass interference call late, and there's different things that you could point to, but ultimately Oklahoma State's offense showed up, and uh, it wasn't just the Ollie Gordon show. It was still Ollie Gordon. I mean, what an amazing run he's on, right? I mean, this guy is just week after week putting up insane numbers and just grinding away, and they did everything they could uh, on Oklahoma's side to try and take him away, but Alan Bowman had his best game of the year. He didn't have a bunch of touchdowns, so it won't show up in like the awards list or whatnot, but he was super efficient, threw for a lot of yards, um, and just commanded the game really well. I also thought Rashad Owens had a huge game on the receiving side of things for Oklahoma State. So it wasn't just Ollie Gordon. Alan Bowman was great. Rashad Owens was great. Other players made plays. Uh, defense stepped up. And so, um, yeah, they're a really good team. Uh, and they had an awesome win on Saturday that I know is going to be the talk of that state for a very long time uh, as they go their separate ways. And who knows when we'll see Bedlam again. Um, but that is, uh, that is an all-timer way to end this series for right now. 
while. A bitter pill to swallow for Oklahoma fans for sure, but uh, there's Oklahoma State now in the top 25. You know, yep. we're wondering who's going to work their way into there eventually. Now you've got them and what Kansas and uh, is there one other team maybe that's that's there in the back end of the top 25? Um, but uh, there's the top 25. You have Oklahoma. Okay, it's Oklahoma. KU, yeah. Kansas State popped out. Oklahoma State moves up, and then of course you have Texas. Right where they've been at number so, seven. Yeah, I was thinking of Oklahoma being there. Yeah, my mistake. So, yeah, a great win for, for Gundy and the Cowboys. But Kansas recently was in, of course, yes, until they yes. lost, and so they're just hanging around. Now, Oklahoma State's goalpost. We, uh, Brett McMurphy, this is Brett. He is uh, at the stadium, Stillwater, and they just cracked the goalpost off, just like a, like a pretzel. And he, there he is standing there with just one piece of the goalpost, the other is in some body of water in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Uh, it, it, yeah, it's probably in a it, not not a pretty one either. Uh, but <laughs> they have beautiful lakes. <laughs> at in Paul Oklahoma. Catalina on Twitter. <laughs> at Paul Catalina. Oh, it's a great win for him. Great win There's for some him. Some beautiful but, fishing lakes in Oklahoma. Yeah, um, the the best ones on the border of Texas. So go figure. Uh, no, but. you need. There's there's some better parts than they're giving credit for. I, I'm not saying it's like Shangri-La by any means, but it, it ain't all bad up there. Man. Yeah, that, no, that, look, yeah. I, like I will I will set foot in Tulsa and Oklahoma City again. If I never go to any other part of it, I'm fine. Okay, all right. So Oklahoma Our State. Our YouTube viewership in Oklahoma just dropped <laughs> off a cliff. I don't know yeah. what happened there. A wet blanket. Normally it's me at Paul Catalina. So bring the, it. The biggest news of the weekend in college football. There were wins and losses. USC, after one really tough game after another on defense, gave up 256 yards rushing to, was it Johnson, uh, with, with Washington. Uh, and Alex Grinch, who came to USC with Lincoln Riley, is out as the USC defensive coordinator. So 49 points that you gave up wasn't enough, but 52 that that was that, the, was, that, the was, line that was the line that you had to go over and i um i just i, I it's about time um i saw bruce feldman throw out you know some names today one of them i hadn't even thought about because he he was he's an analyst on the Illinois staff but uh if i'm Lincoln Riley, I'm calling Jim Leonard tomorrow uh, and seeing if I can get him there as soon as possible to start working on fixing what is keeping your team from being a college football playoff contender. Uh, yeah, I mean, something had to give. I don't know about who they go and, and pivot to at this point, um, but you know, something had to give in general. And uh, when you're giving up the amount of rushing yards they were giving up to Dylan Johnson and the Huskies who have not run the ball you know, very much or effectively at all this year, you're giving up an obscene amount of number uh, yards on the ground to uh, an offense that doesn't run for 200 plus yards on a regular basis. Uh, it's very clear just how problematic that defense has become when you're giving up 52 points and just having to hope that every game is a shootout that you can win. You're scoring 42 and you're not taking care of business still. Uh, yeah, something's got to give. I mean, they've got the offense. They've proven that they have the offense. They have the, the quarterback. They have some talent, but three out of their last four they've lost now giving up 48 to Notre Dame giving up 34 to a Utah team that we know doesn't have a great offense by any means Arizona State disagrees yeah I mean I they, they can disagree I, but I um you know gave up 49 in a win to Cal you beat them four, 50 to 49 and then you give up 52 in a loss so I mean the last four weeks 48 in a loss 34 in a loss 49 in a win and 52 in a I mean pfft, 
something. I mean, it, you didn't have to explain to him why he was getting fired. I don't think you're just like, yep, pink slip. Here you go, and he just turned around like the Homer Simpson meme of just like in and out the door right away. Uh, that no explanation needed. That that's atrocious, and uh, that has been a direct cause into why they've got three losses and all of their dreams of you know Caleb Williams return year and winning back-to-back Heismans and being in the playoff or even winning the freaking Pac-12 all that shattered uh, based on primarily that defense so yeah it's it's something that he's been able to kind of drag along and keep going for a while but uh, at this point it's just you've got to make a change and so yeah I was not surprised to see that at all just surprised really what took so long. Dylan Johnson's high for the year prior to USC he had one game over 100 yards rushing. No, he had one game at exactly 100 yards rushing on 20 carries against Oregon. Other than that, 91-84, nothing at all against Arizona State. Had six yards and most of it out 66-71. So there we are. They don't run the football. With USC. I'm, yeah. I know. And That's so, my point. So to see him go for 256. Yeah. Four tutties. Yeah, and four yeah. touchdowns. Like, I mean, come on. If there was ever going to be a game to get Alex Grinch fired, it had to be that game because I don't know how you possibly could have gone through this week and been like, no, it's, you know, still, it's we're, we like what's going on. I don't know even what he's been saying about Alex Grinch, honestly, other than they haven't made the move until he now. He so. said over and over and over again that that was a predetermined narrative that people were going to have oh, about that's right, the USC yeah. defense. Yeah, well, I mean, numbers, numbers, I'm not big on numbers dictating every single thing, um, but they certainly tell the tale here, especially over the last four weeks. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's embarrassing that they gave up that amount of yards on the ground. And uh, that that was something that was glaring from this weekend for sure. Offensive, defensive, newcomer of the year here in just a second from the Big 12. You You, you can drill down in numbers and make them say whatever you want a lot of times, especially when there's variance in them. But what you can't, like when the numbers are so overwhelming one way, you know, it – you know, I felt for a little while that Lincoln Riley was kind of like a flat earth truther, truther. Like, listen, the evidence is not out there that the earth is round. You're like, man, I just watch your defense chasing after uh, Scadaboo and Johnson and like all these guys. To me, that's evidence. Yeah. Uh, if, do I need to take you up in a, in a spaceship and show you the round earth? You know. Because that's maybe what happened. Take yeah. Jennifer with you. Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. And I went back four weeks. You go back two more weeks prior to that, giving up 41 to Arizona in a win, giving up 41 to Colorado in a win. So, I mean, they were giving up an average of 40-plus points per game on defense over the last six weeks. It's one thing, a couple of weeks. Six weeks they're giving up an average of that many points. So, yeah, that, that, that had to get done and – they had to make a change there we'll as far Phil as I'm Bennett concerned. About, we'll have yeah. to ask Phil about that. Phil Bennett just after five. Okay. Offensive uh, and all that with the Big 12. Ollie Gordon again, co-offensive player of the week. The second student athlete in conference history to earn that four consecutive weeks of player of the year, of player of the week award. Uh, Xavier Benson, defensive. R.J. Harvey of UCF, co-offensive. And Texas Adonai Mitchell, uh, I may be saying that wrong. And Burt Auburn. Both the special teams and newcomer players of the week. Mitchell had an early touchdown in that shootout classic against K-State. Auburn hit the 40-something yarder uh, that that also, of course, was a difference maker in that game, although Kansas came back to tie it the second time they had an opportunity to do so. Jalen Milrow, 219 yards passing, 155 yards rushing, four touchdowns in a win against LSU. Daniels went out after the hit by Dallas Turner. But has anybody at quarterback improved more than he has in the last four to six weeks? No. Uh, And Tommy Reese, 
Uh, credit to him and Nick Saban and everybody for figuring out, like, hey, let's quit trying to make Jalen Milrow something he's not and just play with what he is. And I, I sent you guys the text the other night. Um, I could have seen him running the triple option of the wishbone the way that he the way that he does that. And they've they've eliminated his turnovers. He's not doing that. Alabama still. I mean, they are not polished in any way, shape, or form, but they are rolling with what they've got, and they have a fantastic athlete at quarterback that when he gets an open lane, you can't get him. So just do that until somebody gets him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he, I've been waiting to see him run the football like that for a long time now. I mean, he's shown little glimpses of it, but not to the tune of, you know, 150-plus yards and four touchdowns on 20 carries. So uh, that was a, a breakout uh, in the running game for him for sure. Um, you know, was effective enough in the passing game to, to be a real dual threat that gave LSU problems there. And uh, what was a, a thrilling game to watch, you know, until like the end when, when there was some separation there in the, the – uh, the uh, game became clear what the outcome was going to be, but that was a lot of fun to watch. Um, and there's some, you know, good things to talk about on the other side, uh, even on the, the loser side of things that we can get into with Garrett here. But, yeah, great performance by Milrow. Um, he's going to get a lot of uh, attention, and rightfully so, for that this week, I'm sure, and the, the weekly awards and whatnot. Um, but good to see, you know, just that athletic ability on display. And Alabama's been on a tear, man, ever since that loss to Texas. And everybody wants to start throwing that dirt again. And all they've done is won every single game since then to the tune of now being 8-1 and one and 6-0 and oh in the SEC. So, you know... Those last rights have been read a whole lot of times, man, and, and they still aren't uh, you know, defense, timed quite right. Their but. defense in the second half has become a shutdown yeah. with what they did against Tennessee and also LSU. And, of course, uh, with Daniels going down, that kind of earned – uh, that that that, that kind of ruined what otherwise was going to end up probably being 52-42 like Oregon and yeah. Washington one way or the other. Yeah, and that's where Alabama separated for sure. And there's a lot of talk I know about the hit, uh, Dallas Turner, and if it was dirty or not. And uh, just a shame because Jaden Daniels had such a spectacular game that we couldn't see the conclusion the way that we, we should have seen it, right? Um, but what a sensational player. I know he's a, a lot of people's Heisman vote at this moment despite the loss, and uh, I can totally see why. But, um, yeah. Yeah, that that sucked. I don't think like I, I don't like I, sometimes hits dirty, not dirty. Like football is an aggressive game, and sometimes sure. you can make what ultimately turns out to be a dirty or kind of reckless hit. And I was just surprised that, given how college football goes, that that just kind of moved on down the line, and LSU has to submit it now. Yeah, that's the question I had. Was like, well, that seemed to be an easier call than many of the targetings that we see, but it it just kind of moved on down and. That was that was just a little bit weird to to me and and you know officials make mistakes and all those things I just I would love to hear an explanation from the SEC on on yeah, what happened yeah, there well, it doesn't given change anything. doesn't change anything I'm just curious as to what the officials well, were, that's why I like the pool report in the NFL where you can after the game you can ask the official like hey what was it you saw there because they'll have the benefit of going back and watching it later and knowing that they missed it or whatever but I'd like to hear their explanation as to why they thought in the moment. Like, oh, this you know, is what I, like, I saw. I'd like to know what happens if somebody's reprimanded as an official. If they, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm not saying for that call or even the Stoops call in the end zone. I'm not, I, I even said in the chat room the first six or eight, ten percent of what was down there is a complete calls and all that. I get it as a fan. I just, that it just takes you down a gutter. And instead of what happened in that game, but there were some things over the weekend. Games are becoming more and more important. I get it. For teams trying to get to a bowl game or trying to get to a championship game 
We're trying to get to the college football playoff, too. Well, yeah, I mean, LSU fans have a right to complain and uh, to feel like that call should have gone differently. Oklahoma fans, absolutely, that was a P.I. That was not called. Absolutely 100 freaking percent. Um, but I'm the type that's kind of like that where, you know, there were other plays to be made elsewhere in that game. And I get it. I, I get if you want to, like, die on that hill, that's fine. But I just don't live my life that way. So I move on and say, well, what could they have done differently in this case or earlier in the game or, you know, at this point in time? And um, and that's where I kind of let my brain go because you can't d- depend on officials. But yeah, that was that was an egregious no call, no doubt about it. That was that was awful, um, more so than the, the Jaden Daniels call, in my opinion. Yeah. But maybe I'm a little bit uh, too biased in that regard. So, uh, how did you feel, Garrett, about what you saw on Saturday? Not just the hit, but just the the game in general as an LSU fan. I mean, I, I think I think I said last week going into it that this was a game where Jaden Daniels could either make a argument to be the Heisman front runner, or he could get hurt. Because if you watch him throughout the year, he makes these runs and he doesn't he doesn't make smart decisions as far as getting out of bounds or whatever. Things like that happen. As far as the, the hit where he got hurt, yeah, it should have been called. But at the same time, you're All-American that wears number seven, Will Campbell, should have not gotten manhandled and should have blocked. And that wouldn't have happened. Yeah, so that's where I'm at on it. There you go. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, Oklahoma make a play, different point of the drive, and then you don't have the, the no-call PI. So, yeah, I mean, you can, you can bog down on, on calls – um, but I, I'm like Garrett, and I just, you know, even even egregious, I just, you know, what are you going to do about it now, right? It's it's the same result no matter what you do, how much time you you burn on it. So, yeah, that's a shame. So. And then MBM, it, it kind of just, just validates my point. OU was holding the entire game. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> just, I'm not going to go there, but I get it. You are a fan, and Oklahoma State never did grab anybody else on the other side. Now, it's a great win for the Cowboys. West Virginia. I, I, I got to tell you, I think I got home and I had the game on. I'm like, what is the score? 37 nothing. Here's from uh, our good friend Cuz. The Big 12 is giving West Virginia two bye weeks. This according to add three guys in 2025 to account for a couple of trips to the mountain time zone. Glad to hear the Big 12 is doing something to offset the extra travel at West for the Eastern schools. Now, I don't know if the Big 12 has commented or confirmed that, but if that was to be the case, I would not have any problems with it whatsoever. Now, one, I get. Two, everybody gets one, maybe two, that can offset that slightly. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and, uh, hey, look, West Virginia, I think, you know. God, they beat the hell out of me, good, good, And good for Neil Brown after everybody, you know, wrote him off. You know, now um, – you know, he, he would have to finish the season in completely embarrassing fashion to get back on that hot seat. No, I'm talking, I think I, no, yeah. I, I mean, like, no, it, it would no. t- like when I, I say think, completely embarrassing, like three 50 to nothing losses in a row. Okay, one like, of them was against Baylor. <laughs> yeah, so, again. Well, if you that, lost 50 that, to nothing them at this point, yeah, then you probably deserve to get fired. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, that's why he's off. He's off the hot seat. Ren Baker told us, and we've known Ren for a long time, that he had no intention of going in there um, with his sight set on Predetermined, yeah. Yeah, predetermined on what he was going to do. Uh, and I'm going to have my own guy. He was going to give Neil Brown every opportunity. And I think given the fact that they were where they were last year and here they are sitting bowl eligible with three weeks left, I think, you know, he's uh, off. Well, Craig, uh, one more thing on them, and then we'll get to Kansas in that game that they won too. Yeah, I mean, 2025 is not next year. That's two years from now. So uh, right. that's what the comment was about. And I guess looking at that schedule, they – play BYU and Arizona State um, and that would be the two games I guess that Coos is referring to so yeah I mean I guess we'll see how that goes that would that would make some sense though 
Um, but uh, interested to see like how exactly that is set up. But yeah, they play Arizona State and BYU on the road, so that's uh, that's interesting. If that's in fact uh, how they're going to kind of massage these schedules to account for the fact that this is now you know a conference that's going to have a lot more travel attached to it, especially for a school like West Virginia. So I think that uh, that's a good concession on their part. Um, to to account for that uh, as far as West Virginia goes like yeah just a, a great win I'm I'm surprised like how like <laughs> how bad it was but I'm not surprised that they like beat BYU pretty handily I mean BYU's been playing with fire and and really I think I've made a comment just about every week now even when they've won of like yeah that's great but you know don't exactly trust them on any side of the football um, you know Slovis was hurt as well so it's even like what has been sort of a bright spot at times wasn't even available um, and you know I think that uh, West Virginia has just been playing really good football and getting better as the the season has gone along Garrett Green's really solidified himself as a, as a playmaker I know we've seen him before but like I just feel like week after week he's gotten uh, better and better and I mean the running game the uh the output they got from uh, Donaldson and also Jaheim White was exactly what you're looking for. And, you know, BYU, not a team that's great against the run. Uh, and so you saw West Virginia be able to take advantage of that and and run for a lot of yards on the ground with a couple of guys going for big numbers. So a huge win for West Virginia. Um, I'm really impressed by this, you know, rejuvenation this year under Neil Brown, knowing the circumstances coming in, that they were really on, on a hot seat and that there was not a lot of room for error. And even through that first month, it's like, yeah, well, and then you get into that second month and it's still like, okay, well, they, you know what? They are better than I expected. But now it's like, damn, like, I mean, they're very impressed by the run that West Virginia has been on six and three. You're going bowling now. That's huge for them. And so, yeah, I think that uh, that hot seat is cooled immensely. I don't think it would take much like next year for it to bring it all back. Probably if you were to struggle, because I think that there are probably people that are sort of riding that fence of like, all right, well, we'll give him a little bit more leeway for, you know what I mean? But it's not like he's solidified himself for the next five years by any means, but they can close really strong. And um, if they get that run game going and, and um, you know, keep playing good defense, then, then they're a really tough out. Now, this weekend's going to be one heck of a little journey for them going to uh, Oklahoma uh, with uh, all things uh, considered there about, you know, what's happened this past weekend with, with their loss and, and their last couple of losses, really. So we'll see what kind of shape the Sooners are in. But uh, West Virginia, if they can – Get through Norman. Uh, you really like them against Cincinnati at home and then at Baylor. So they've got a chance to finish eight or nine wins potentially in the regular season, which, yeah, would take a fire extinguisher to that hot seat. They're, it's good to see Matt Campbell. He's not in the hot seat. You know, there were thoughts that, you know, I don't think ever because of what he had done stability-wise. Neil Brown, Dana Holgerson got a win, went for it. He was going to go for it against Texas, too. Never got that opportunity. There, well, I, I put up on my Twitter page, they will go for two if they score right here. And they started this, their overtime at the 40 because of an unsportsmanlike penalty call. Great win for Houston. Again, I mentioned UCF. And then KU, they, they followed up the win against Oklahoma. You, you can win a game like that. You can end a streak against somebody. You can have all that time. And then when you go on the, on the road, against Iowa State. There was a video of an Iowa State run down the sideline that the Big 12 will probably have to correct or at least admit to another part of what we talked about earlier, but a nice win for Kansas and Lance Leipold. Yeah, I mean, Cincinnati is brutal for them right now. Uh, to be sitting at 0-6 in the Big 12 and with no real win in sight, uh, it is very possible, if not likely, they go winless, uh, and they are only team to do so in Big 12 play. 
Um, great win for UCF. I, I don't think their record's indicative of, of who exactly they are as far as their, their record goes. I do think they're a bit better than four and five. Not by much, but I, I do think like the Baylor game, like that should have been a win, right? I mean, that, that that's a game where they just completely cratered down the stretch. So you could look at them being potentially bowl eligible by now or at least having an extra win. And so um, nice for them to go on the road and get what was a, a tight victory, but a victory nonetheless. Uh, R.J. Harvey had a big game. I think you mentioned him in the, spe- uh, in the players of the week. Um, you know, great to have Plumlee back here recently. That makes a world of difference as well. So good win for them. Kansas, um, super impressive to go into Ames, and they were dominating that game for a large, you know, majority of it. I was looking at that from our pickums and just like, damn, I didn't get close to this. And Iowa State obviously made it a game there at the end, but um, yeah, that's that's just taking care of your business. And uh, I mean, we'll get into Houston and Baylor. I, you know, we'll, we we'll do, have, we will. Well, I, Dave Aranda is going to join say, us in yeah. the next segment, and I, I know that great a lot win of for people Houston. are tired of hearing from him. Uh, and hearing, you know, the people are kind of just, it's stale, but we're going to have that, my one-on-one with him. And if you do listen, I tried to get some probing things as far as questions, some that were very direct, uh, more than pertinent. He answered them. Uh, It's up to you whether you want to listen to it. We hope you do. That's coming up in the next segment. Now, Sam Hartman and Notre Dame go into Clemson, and Clemson smoked them. Stuart Mandel, Sam Hartman, I did this for Paul. Sam Hartman becomes the first quarterback since FSU's Chris Chris Ricks 20 years ago to go 0-5 against the same opponent. Ricks went 0-5 against the Hurricanes because they played at a bowl game one of those four years. How popular would the hashtag Ricks happens, uh, how popular would that hashtag have been if if Twitter was around in the uh, early 2000s? uh, I have, I mean, they're like... I cannot tell you because there might be, but there might be a list like you would call it the Rick's list of college football players at their university who are widely despised. And a lot of that's because the 0-5 against Miami. Now, he did have a huge win against Notre Dame and a ridiculous play to beat Florida, which keep him from being like maybe the most despised player there of all time. But yeah, uh, Sam Hartman, I I feel bad. He's got 0-5 against Clemson, but to give Dabo Sweeney a little bit of credit, like after you dog a guy, yep. you when you go on a rant like that, your ass better win the game. Well, and he, he did. did. And, you, and think he the, did. you don't think the players maybe rallied yeah. around yeah. him a little bit? You, you go and yell at a 14-year-old kid on the radio show, you better win the game. <laughs> yeah, I know. And he did. Yeah. So credit to Dabo for, for getting it game. done. Yeah. That, uh, People, like, yes, Clemson is not nearly as good, but if you watch them, especially playing in Clemson, that is an insanely hard place to play, and they will still play that tight style of defense where they punish you. Then Barrett Carter and uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. at linebacker, and Trotter is the difference in the game because he had that pick six. Um, They are so good that you cannot really get loose on your offense the way you want to. I covered his father. Jeremiah Trotter, who played at SFA, went on to play in the NFL. Hell of a player. Good for his son and good for Clemson. That's a nice win for him. Yeah, it's a tough loss for Notre Dame. I mean, mm-hmm. I dropped their third game. Uh, not at all what you'd hoped for or expected, and uh, especially after Dabo's rant. I mean, I don't think you ever felt great about rolling into Death Valley, no matter how goofy that whole situation was. But, um, yeah, I mean, that was dangerous territory you were trekking into. And um, sure enough, you're, you're flying back to South Bend with a, a tough loss. But, yeah, great uh, resilience by Clemson. You know, K. Klubnick's still not – I don't know. I don't know where we are on the development with him and, like, what that's going to eventually turn into, but it's not good. Um, he is, he's, 
you know, not at all what you thought as far as their lineage of great quarterbacks and him just kind of stepping into that role. It's been a real struggle. So I, I just wonder where that is kind of all headed as far as the development and, and, you know, when he'll eventually blossom and maybe become that guy that um, you think that he has the talent to be. But um, regardless, I mean, Jeremiah Trotter is a freaking stud. <laughs> he is an absolute baller. And uh, that was a huge win for the Tigers, uh, to say the least. All right, uh, we're not done. Sam Pittman, it's been a tough year for Arkansas, but look at this. Steve Berkowitz does a great job. We've had him on the show. He knows about every detail of every football coach is uh, and their, their bonus money and structure. By winning that game, Arkansas, even if they lose their last three games of the year, he is now going to get nearly $5.4 million guaranteed because of his contract if they end up winning at least 50% of their games this year. There's another part of this tweet that goes on to kind of explain it, but they could actually tank, not on purpose, but lose out, and he is guaranteed because of the way they set up the prorated contract or the extensions or the bonus structure or even the buyout. Yeah, um, I don't know if he saved his job. He he gave it a little bit of a, you know, a buoy situation the other day. Um, I mean, this this one really really surprised me. Uh, I, I thought I thought Florida was starting to to make some strides, but they're still just kind of caught. Uh, they don't have the the playmakers yet. They're uh, you know, uh, Billy Napier is hinging on Lagway and these other recruits to come in and give them a shot in the arm. Although he's going to have to be better in the transfer portal if they want to have any immediate uh, gains in the SEC because the East um, still has Georgia in it and. It's getting better. Mizzou's good. Mizzou's good all of a yeah, sudden. I think they, That's yeah. somebody you have to worry about. Yeah. Tennessee's still good. So it's it. they had their opportunity where it was Georgia and everybody else to, to take that spot and come back into the second area. But now with Mizzou and Tennessee being good, it makes it a lot harder. And, and look, Kentucky's not bad either. So you, it's not... It's not an easy path just to jump back into the number two spot in the East. And everybody else is coming in, so there really is no East anymore. Yeah, no, that was a terrific win for Arkansas. I mean, they desperately needed that first SEC win. And, um, you know, you didn't know where that was exactly going to come from, exact, you know, given the way things were going. But, uh, yeah, to go pull that off in OT in the swamp, I mean, that just uh, adds a little extra juice to it as well. And uh, got a, you know, nice balanced game out of that offense. And, uh, obviously, a shootout they were able to – you know, to win there at the end, um, tough, tough loss for uh, Billy Napier and company. And, um, yeah, I just uh, I kind of wonder where all that is, is going, you know, where that's leading. And you're right about the East. I mean, you know, you can go ahead and just toss Vanderbilt out of it, whatever. Yeah. Um, they're a non-factor. But, uh, you know, with Missouri's resurgence, with Kentucky's steadiness, um, you know, there is a, a little bit more of a fight out there in that division with Tennessee being back to more of, you know, the the main stage uh, where they were for so long there, uh, but where they, you know, disappeared for a little while. Now they've been back for a couple years. You got, to, what, Tennessee-Missouri coming up this weekend, I believe. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be a, a massive game. So, and there's still a bunch of big games in the East that are, that are going to come down here over the last three weeks. So, yeah, that's, that's suddenly a division that was a complete afterthought. If you just chalk it up, it's Georgia's. Last year, okay, Tennessee – you know, made it a little bit more fun, but now, you know, yeah, it's it's a it's a little bit more stacked top yep. to almost bottom, and um, that was a a tough a tough loss for Florida, who is kind of not in that mix and uh, and and should be a year in and year out. If Florida gets better, my goodness, the oh, yeah. East is all of a sudden replaced the West, perhaps at least for now. Although <laughs> everything changes, <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> Alabama I mean, and LSU, I mean, alone right there. And the Ole Miss is playing really good. But you've got 
the bottom of the West is embarrassing with That's Mississippi true, State yeah. and, and, and A and M. You know. Yeah, you know what? It's 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 better it's, and closer now than ever before. Yes, and for it's, sure. It's tops like it could bend either way. Like for those, sure. The law. The the what do you call I'm it? A, yeah. The, the scales of justice. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, I immediately go no because of just the way like the last several years have gone. But you know what? No, it is more of an argument. You give it a little second of thought than uh, than it has been in probably a really long time. And um, yeah, you'd have to look at the bottom and, and the. The bottom is probably where the argument comes into play, but yeah. And, and they're getting I, I, two teams that are not going to be at the bottom. Exactly. I mean, yeah. like, you know. Yeah. There are a couple more coming in that are pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, not, there's not like, going to be divisions. No, but, like, if you're if you're trying to get back to the top of the SEC and you're stuck in the, the middle oh, of yeah. the bottom right now and you think, okay, well, we can – we can get past Vanderbilt and Kentucky and Missouri. Oh, shoot, Missouri's good. Oh, shoot, Tennessee's good. And Kentucky's well, solid. That, yeah. yeah. And, oh, uh, well, Oklahoma, ah, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's right. harder and harder. We will look at the uh, back at the AP Top 25 in the four or so segment, a little bit after 4 o'clock. The college football schedule, the Big 12, and we have the Bangers. Former Baylor off, uh, a coach back in the days of Grant Taft passed away over the weekend. Also, the latest on Michigan, according to Pete Thamel, and one of the funniest tweets of the weekend from Southeast Louisiana football coach and a guy that I know in Frank Selfo will have that. So much more to get to. This is 365 Sports, and my conversation with Dave Aranda is next. IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace, just off I-35, is a place where you can get a couple of things done. One, evidence on what hurts a muscle, a ligament, something that has shut you down. I have added issues at times, although much, much better now because I'm being smarter with what I'm doing when it comes to what stress I put on my hip or my right leg or my back, is I, I had to go get an MRI because my back had an impingement, or was it a nerve, or was it a, what was it, or is it something that had shifted in my vertebrae? I got the information. I got the evidence by getting an MRI from Ideal MRI, and doctors are able to now take that diagnosis and run with it. Also, if it's a knee, if it's something else for you, they'll find it. Their state-of-the-art technology MRI machine, and also the wait time when you get there to get the MRI is very, very Minimal compared to where you might go anywhere else. And here's the best part, $497 or less every single time. At IdealMRI.com in the Central Texas Marketplace off I-35 in the southern part of Waco. Call can make all the difference on and off the field. I'm Mark Stewart with Bird Colgen Ford. When it's time for a new car, truck, or SUV, Bird Colgen Ford is the right call. Come check out our award winning lineup of best selling models in their class, like the Mustang, Explore, Expedition, F 150, and Super Duty. Make the right call for your next vehicle at Bird Colgen Ford. Bird Colgen Ford proudly supports Baylor Athletics. Sick'em Bears. At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be part of the Waco community. We're a small family business here in Central Texas. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important. And unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. And that's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through this difficult time. So if you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. You can schedule online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or call 833-IDEAL-MRI. MRI. 
Don's Humidor, your home with a 48-foot walk-in humidor with the elite cigar brands from around the world, including the number one cigar of the year, Aging Room, Quattro Nicaragua. Plus, they have the great brands like Macanudo and Artur Fuente, Rocky Patel, Aston, and so much more. CBD, great for sore muscles, aches and pains, sleep, Vita Dreams and anxiety, mild depression, general health and wellness. Their staff, very knowledgeable on the subject. If anyone is curious about CBD, ask Carolyn Ashley, Don Schumanor in the Townwood Shopping Center off Valley Mills in Waco. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. Custom Marketplace is your hometown grocery store with a full-service butcher shop and baker. Hi, this is David Smoke. The butcher shop can take your customized orders for seafood, pork, and poultry and custom cut your favorite steaks from bacon wrap fillets to T-bone to bone and ribeyes. Cut specifically the way you want. They have Norwegian salmon fillets, catfish fillets, sliced ham or turkey and lunch meat, variety of cheese available, and several options of sausage links. Fresh chicken breast or whole chickens, sliced bacon, pork chops, ground beef, marinated beef, and chicken fajitas, and always large briskets available, plus fresh vegetables. So the great product, customer service, and family tradition of the Bauer family continues at Waco Custom Marketplace, open Monday through Saturday. A full-service butcher shop and bakery available. Waco Custom Marketplace, 425 Lake Air Drive in Waco. Or WacoCustomMarketplace.com. This is 365 Sports. Text us at 254-339-1122. The text line is sponsored by Riverbend Liquor and Wine with the most extensive variety of craft beer in Waco. A hidden gem on Lakeshore Drive and 19th Street. Baylor football coach Dave Aranda with me, David Smoke on 365 Sports. In the postgame Saturday, tough loss, obviously, the way it went down. You mentioned that you kind of had a, a locker room that was broken. Mm-hmm. How do you fix that? Mm-hmm. How do you, I mean, it's, 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 everything's accumulating. So what have you seen since you felt that the locker room, and I get the disappointment? Appreciate that. Yeah. There's there, uh, there are always just silent forces that are working. Whether it's, you know, the um, expectations not met, um, you know, life after foot, life after Baylor football. Whether it's NFL prospects. Whether it's, you know, um, you know, I wanted to or just goals um, that are not realized, or it could be. Um, um, you know, I wanted to accomplish this so that I could get in position for this type of money or any of those things are all, all real things. And I think um, are all respected. And so I don't think it's necessarily that those things overtake uh, an individual or overtake a team collectively. I think it's that uh, coaches don't um, um, don't intercede. 
don't ask the questions don't go there with the players and and see what silent forces are at work there and so I just think that's just really important the relationships and doubling down on that and um, the guys that are struggling sitting down with them taking time and then working to mend the breach you know and then you know from there like the we've had some a couple lift um, um, groups so far today and there's been a ton of energy I was down there with Vic just prior to our our press conference and he says David it's been it's been great it's been good I think today we're going to lighten some of the conditioning work and we're going to try to have some fun out there get coaches involved with some of it and so I think all of that's important when you just feel the the, the burden of um of uh, college football it should be fun and so to try to integrate some of that with still accomplishing what we need to accomplish and obviously we have a huge test coming up and so we got to prepare for that but I think early in this week if we can do everything we can to make sure that we're all connected is going to be the most important thing you're obviously a very caring man uh-huh. uh, everyone thinks you're a great person and then also the person over player uh-huh. what is the balance of that and making sure these are good young men, mm-hmm. great young men in the future, mm-hmm. and playing football and winning at big-time football? I, yeah, that's a great question. I really think that's it. That is it. I, and I think that, uh, you know, our, our ability to do that, to do both, really is going to separate us. And I think it's really going to make us, make us different. And... Um, I think that's the that's the challenge, and I feel like we've we've been able to touch touch that space and step into that space, um, but we're certainly not there now, you know. And so I think the 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 difference for me, the improvements that I can make, is to. Um, uh, not focus or not have the so much focus on just the stuff off the field and make the guys that are really, really good football players feel like this is not the place for them. And I feel like I can do a better job of that. I feel like I've done that throughout my time here, especially this year. Um, but I think that's also going to take the rec- recruiting um, recruiting. Um, where that fits that that uh, where that fits that type of uh, situation, I think all of those things are important because uh, we want to win, you know. And I think that you know the the mentor coach that was really kind of a uh, um, you know taking uh, a player from one phase of life to another phase of life. I just think the powers that be with college football is eliminating that person in a lot of ways. And I think it's harder for that guy to survive. There's other things at work that are are more that that person's subservient to uh, whether it's NIL or it's winning or it's money coming in. And so I think to um, find a way to where all of that can be balanced and you don't lose your soul in it, where you can give your heart and um, and win. That's that's what this is all about. Made me think of a question when the time change occurred mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. It, it, the, the the hourglass and sand mm-hmm. coming down and, and mm-hmm. that, the time change. Do you feel any pressure? in the clock mm-hmm. in making something that there's a sign that this is turning the corner I do yeah I do I think these I think this game's a big I mean they're all big games but I think for this year we have to finish strong I think we've shown fight I don't think fight's enough 
I think we need wins, you know, and then um, I think we have to show that off the field that we're battling too. I think when you lose uh, the talent that you have um, is liable to be poached. And so we have to fight for the guys that we have. I think the, the recruits that we have that are committed to us, we have to fight for them because uh, that'll be the same. And then I think for any transfer portal guys that we have with the record and I'm sure just the the storm around my name, we have to fight for that too. And so there's just a fair amount of fighting going on. And I think for us to fight and fight well, there has to be a calm at the center of that storm with uh, each individual that's out in that arena. And that's just, you know, knowing that, um, knowing who we are, what we, re- what we represent with Baylor, what type of integrity we need to go out in this space for. Because I think all of it is, I think some of college football, you know, I love other parts of college football, you know, I don't want to be a part of. And so for us, to fight the fight but not be of it is really what's ahead of us and uh, yeah, I, mean, I invite that you know and, and I know that that's where we're at and I, I, our staff does too how important is it for you to, to fix this but also make sure you have the opportunity to fix this no I th- it's important um, I think you know I love this team I, you know the I love our guys. I really do. And I think there can be per, I think it was your first question or your second question. There can be, um, some additions to the team that will make it a more complete team. And I think, um, I think we all have to be more open to that. And, uh, I'm, we're, we're certainly on a path to do that, but I, I, you know, would, would want it to be to where, you know, um, we're winning at a high level. I'm, I'm, um, I'm taking school seriously. I'm, I can see my everyday life, um, growing my faith, um, not just on Sundays, but on Saturdays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays. I can see my, my faith, um, um, I can see the spring inside of me. And so I just think like all of I think that to have all of that and to have a winner in in major college football is is what my dream would be. And so I to to work to do that is is uh is way strong in me. You mentioned the storm around your name. Mm-hmm. In 2021, best season in the history of Baylor football. Mm-hmm. You signed an extension you earned that. Everybody was worried probably that you might go somewhere else with all the jobs that were opened up. Do people forget that, that your loyalty to Baylor, is that even in play here? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's, I think it's, you know, I, the, the all of this is a business. And um, I think it's, you know, I think part of I think there was a there was a point I think it was the Big 12 media days where we were talking mm-hmm. and we talked about to care and not to care and it's one of my favorite um, one of my favorite poems it's T.S. Eliot and um, you know even among these rocks to rest in his will um, and so I just think like the to care and not to care is uh, is that I 
I understand that it's a business. I understand that you're you're only as good as your last win or you're only as bad as your last loss. And to fully accept that, but then to not kind of get drowned out with all of the negative that comes with that, but just to accept it for it, this is what it is. And um, to really, for me, it's to work on myself with through that so that I can be better, not only on the field, but off too. Um, is kind of the journey that I'm on, you know, and I try to take the team and staff with me for sure. But I just, I don't know, to not get caught up in it, but mm-hmm. it is a business and, um, you know, it's a game of winning and we haven't done enough of it. Got two more questions, if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that day you spoke with us mm-hmm. was a week that was brutal. Mm-hmm. You lost your father. Mm-hmm. I know you've leaned on other former coaches along the way, and this has been a tough year. Who are you leaning on, Dave, right now? I, I probably could use probably more. <laughs> <to lean on. laughs> yeah. yeah, I pray a lot. I have a lot of um, there's quiet times in the morning for me where I can, um, you know, I can um, get the stuff that needs to come out out and then I can rest where I need to rest and kind of have a perspective for the day because um, it's very, you know, Today's a good example. I get here in the morning and I'm walking and there's people coming in. They're all looking to see, okay. What kind of mosey in? And so you feel that. And I think the test for me with that is that I don't want to act, you know. I don't want to, like, try. I don't want to know that's happening and try to be something that I'm not. I want it to be real, you know. And so that just takes work. And so I think the quiet time can help you do that because I think... I think it uh, it centers it it centers you for all that that's coming in your day. Last thing, I, you you and I have spoken about NIL, and you can't say much about it, but Baylor's trying to figure that out, or the others, GXG, whoever else. Mm-hmm. Have you been given everything you need to succeed here? That's a good question. I know that. Um, our anticipation is, and I think is one of the things that probably comes out of a season like this, is that we're probably going to be more aggressive in that area. And, uh, I, you know, I think some of that just goes to just um, you probably don't know until you know. And I'm speaking of myself more than anybody. Um, speaking of myself, because I have not been one, you know, banging on the door saying, hey, you know, need this, need that. And so um, this is something that I think, you know, is it's the state of college football. I think it's you can look around the country. I think you can look at there's there's other teams that were maybe uh, somewhat similar to us. And I don't think their record exactly like us, but I think there's some similarities there. And I, I just think it's um, it's a part of it. And I think, you know, for me, the acknowledgement of we have to be aggressive in that area. And, um, you know, I think our players deserve it. And so we're looking forward to um, to venturing out into that space. And uh, that's going to start pretty soon. Dave Aranda, Baylor football coach on 365 Sports. When we come back, we're going to look at the Big 12, top 25 bangers and much more, plus a few more 
notes in college football. Jed Drenning, who's the sideline reporter for West Virginia, the Mountaineers hammered BYU. He'll join us in the 4 o'clock hour. We have Phil Bennett in about an hour and a lot more. Paul's top five. And we're going to check in with the change at defensive coordinator at USC with R.J. Abedia. All of that and more still to come on 365 Sports. PettyClinicLowT.com. Dr. Kent Petty can help you become the high-performance man you want to be, need to be, used to be. You might just be one out of every the three or four men that have symptomatic issues of low testosterone. Uh, your sleep habits are not very good. Uh, you're, you're not energetic. There's something missing. You're just kind of blah, lethargic. And your sex drive is not the same. Could be one of those, could be all of them. And so if you have any of them, and a lot of it could also be the possibility of your diet or how much you actually do sleep or what you do throughout the day, uh, Dr. Kent Petty can help you find out if it is your testosterone. They will set up lab work for you. You go get your blood work. They take care of it. They get the results. Dr. Petty and his staff look at it. And if your testosterone level is too low, he has a program to put you back in a position where your testosterone level starts to climb where it needs to be. You're not alone if that is you. Dr. Kent Petty, PettyClinicLowT.com, to become the man you want to be, need to be, and used to be at PettyClinicLowT.com. In our logo and advertising, we say we are people that you can count on. What does that mean? It starts with providing a quality vehicle and quality service at a fair price. But it also means we do what we say we will do and we treat people fairly with respect. It starts by hiring great people, good local folks who work hard with a caring attitude. Our employees are the real reason we are people that you can count on. Put us to the test and see for yourself that at Richard Car Motors we are people you can count on. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby is a homegrown, locally owned pizza place that's out of this world. Everything from the dough, the sauce, the sausage topping is made fresh in-house. Not to mention the amazing pizza pillows, the chicken wings are to die for. Try the sick'em sauce, chili cheese fries or tots, plus great specials on food and drink every single day. Shorty's is also the perfect spot to watch the game with your friends. Shorty's Pizza Shack at 12th and Bagby. Tell them Paul sent you by. Want to know why Stonewood Dental is so successful? Listen to what happy customers have to say. It's pleasant. It's different than any other dentist's office. I really feel like they care. And it's not that you're here for two hours waiting on someone to take care of you. It's quick and easy. And, you know, I bring my kids, and my kids love being here too. They really love the treasure box. <laughs> Staff is really nice and accommodating, real friendly. You feel more like home. It's not sterile looking. Everybody has their own personalized rooms with decorations and decor, and they'll even have a blanket for you when it's cold. <laughs> I've recommended people to actually come here, and they are patients now. I really love it here. It feels like family. Learn more, stonewood-dental.com. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. 
Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers too. Nachos and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 4 o'clock hour is sponsored by Boozer's Jewelers, the wedding ring store, specializing in custom jewelry and repair, all in-house. Now, here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. There's one note about Michigan. Again, not much has changed other than speculation and or the president had written a letter to the Big Ten. Uh, But here's from Pete Thamel from earlier in the day. Don't expect any action in the Big Ten or by the Big Ten in Michigan sign-stealing case for at least 48 hours as the league sportsmanship rules allow for a reasonable chance to respond to an institution or individual. Sources have told ESPN that they'll be a legal battle, which is what we have said all along, no matter what is the ruling or not, that most likely this thing ends up going to the, the court and injunctions, et cetera, like we've seen in high school football in Texas when they have injunctions that last until the next team is played. My question for Michigan would be, is it worth it to go down that road in that you've already accepted Connor Stallion's resignation, There's already evidence that he was breaking the rules in the first place, and there's already rules in place that Jim Harbaugh should get suspended whether he knew about it or not. And if you're going to go out on the limb and defend, hey, he didn't know about it, then they're also saying, like, look, our coach is just letting all of this stuff go on and just reaping whatever benefits of of thinking this, that – you know, the recruiting analyst has saw, you know, all the signs and stands next to you on the sidelines and tell you, and you think that's some sort of happy accident. Like, be careful in how much you do support him. I understand that you have to, to some degree, but how much do you really want to stand behind him when, if you just let him roll out a suspension and then move on, this might be all that can really happen to you. Yeah, it's a it's a mess, man. It's uh it's getting even messier. I'm sure you guys saw the story that came out uh, just a little while ago. Former employee at a Big Ten program said today it was his job to steal signs, and he was given details from multiple league schools to compile a spreadsheet of play calling signals used by Michigan last year. So here comes some new person to the party who says now it was their job to spy on Michigan. I guess at the uh, at the want of multiple league schools. So, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, There's so much noise, right? It's hard to filter through, like, what's actually going on and what's what. My biggest question in all of this right now is, how has Central Michigan still not confirmed whether that was Connor Stallions? <laughs> I don't know. They how got, the F is that possible? Well, got you the know what? NCAA. The NCAA take longer now because mm-hmm. the NCAA is involved. That, I mean, that's that to me is so damning. And I asked the other day because I wasn't sure. And, Paul, I think you said, like, yeah, I think that they have. They have identified him. But they have. They still yeah. have not confirmed that that was Connor Stallions on their very own sidelines, which to me is just 
absurd and an entire joke. Um, but I mean, now we got this guy, former Big Ten employee uh, at some program that's that's unnamed. We've got you know all of the the he said she said uh, just in general uh, from last week and carrying over. And and I I'm sure I'm missing out on some more of the details because I'm not entrenched in this thing like a lot of Michigan, Ohio State, and other fans are. But yeah, it's it's a whole mess, and and I don't know how they begin to try and, and clean this up. That's more Paul's expertise, I think, as far as the avenues I, they can go. But I, I think Central Michigan has not confirmed that it's Connor Stallions because they don't want it to be uh, one. Because is there a possibility if they do, if the paper trail leads back to their football coach? Well, it's going to lead back to somebody. And, again, that's him. That's the football program. And, and then – you in know, their gear. In their, yeah, in their on their sideline with funky sunglasses on that may or may yeah. not be recording devices. Somebody allowed him to get a credential. Well, Somebody course. gave him the lanyard. Somebody set him up on the sideline. And if it's McIlvain or anybody else in the program, you need to get to it because all it's going to do is now get you more involved in this. Yeah, and so the ESPN did a thing where they, they hired some uh, facial analytical people, and the score – when it's matching faces of between zero and one, and it got a point six, and the only reason it didn't have a point one is because of his sunglasses. So the sunglasses obscured it, but it's Connor Stallions. You know, I think some of these things, and like part of the reason maybe the NCAA is involved now is, you know, if I'm the NCAA. They always start out with reasonable questions. That's not the problem with the NCAA. The problem is they take forever to do it. I would be like, how do you guys not know who this is now after all this? Yeah. Like, yeah, what? Do they want to know? Yeah, I don't think they want to know. I don't know. I, I think I, they wanted to be like, oh, it's just, uh, you know, yeah, you guy or a Connor Stallions lookalike. That's what that is. Yeah, Going I mean, through we, all the files know, and stuff, and you're like, oh, damn. We know that they're just trying to hide whatever might hurt them, like a, a, an NCAA violation is what it would turn out to be. So, yeah, I'm sure that they don't want to just openly admit to that, but it's it's pretty clear. I mean, especially days after the fact. And if they can't identify who that was on their sideline in their gear who somehow got down there, they have the worst security of all time. They have uh, a bigger problem. Yeah, they have a, a much bigger problem uh, at, at Central Michigan. So, yeah, they're very much in the crosshairs. Uh, I'm sure you all saw, too, Ward Manuel from Michigan's yep. not going to be traveling to the playoff meeting because he wants to focus on – um, what's going on at his institution right now. So he will not be here in the state of Texas for the selection committee meeting um, as he attends to business back in Ann Arbor. And, and yeah, I mean, now the NCAA is getting involved in all this. And so we'll see where that, that takes us. But uh, it's a, a big mess that just gets messier by the day, it seems like. And, and I don't know how you begin to, to clean it up. And I don't trust the NCAA to be the one to bring them up and get it all nice and tidy in quick fashion either. So, yeah, there will be legal battles at, at bare minimum. And it's a matter of, like, what avenues those take us down and how long we're talking. And, yeah, I don't know about all that part of it, but it's a, it's a fascinating story. All right. Now, uh, here are the games this week. We have gone over a lot of last week. We've looked a little bit ahead to this week. And here's the Big 12 schedule. 11 o'clock on FS1, Texas Tech and Kansas. Texas Tech found a way to win Thursday, and they still need a couple of more. Texas Tech at Kansas that ought to be a tough game, road game. And Lawrence probably ends up being a 35-30 to 30 type of game with those two. Well, if Texas Tech wins, then they have a uh, great shot at going bowling because they would host UCF at home the following week, and they would uh, have a great chance to win number six right there. Um, but, you know, they have not been good on the road. Uh, they beat Baylor, who hasn't, at McLean Stadium. 
Who hasn't? Long uh, only, Island. Only Long Island, FCS yeah. Long Island's the only one that hasn't this year. Six others have already done it. A seventh will here in a couple of weeks. Um, so that's not really a big road win the way that you would typically define that. It was a big win for them, though. So, yeah, that's that's a huge opportunity for Tech. And if they don't win that game, it's hard to see them beating Texas at the end of the year and you know winning out their last two to get to a bowl game. So that's a huge one for them. And also a big one for Kansas. I mean, the way that they're positioned right now in the top 25 in the, in the Big 12 race, um, they can't afford to lose another one. And they need some help, too. But uh, that was a massive win for them. Uh, this past weekend and past couple weeks, uh, you know, beating Oklahoma, beating Iowa State, and uh, now a chance to beat Tech at home. Uh, they they really uh, got the ball rolling right now with Lance Leipold. All right, then you have Baylor and Kansas State. Baylor for now a full month on ESPN Plus. The, the official team of ESPN. of ESPN Plus. Kansas State had beaten Texas. Maybe that's not the case because people nationally want to watch since they would be along with Oklahoma State at the top of the Big Twelve. Oklahoma State, UCF, and a road game in Orlando. Yeah, I'm going to go back to Baylor-Kansas State. I have a theory here because down the list is Cincinnati and Houston, and that's on FS1. Yes. That's on cable. I think Baylor's – they're a very boring watch on television. Yep. They're a very boring watch. So boring, in fact, that they're playing a team that's not at all a boring watch, and it's been relegated to ESPN+. Plus. Now, I don't – I don't know how the draft works when it comes to that. And if but FS1 took Cincinnati and Houston in primetime over that one and I think that that's why. I think that's uh I mean the city of Cincinnati and the Cincinnati city of Houston versus Waco and Manhattan especially yeah, when true. K-State's got three losses so they're mm-hmm. not in the mix after last week and Baylor's obviously awful so uh with a small fan base combined there like we've seen Baylor can pull numbers when they're good. Yeah. People will tune in but when they're not good, there's no reason to tune into them. And when they're at the level they are right now, it's it's just hard. It's hard to watch. I mean, it it really truly is hard to watch. Even for a college football diehard, I'm like, if I could flip the channel, I would. I mean, it's just, I, I don't want to dwell there. But I was looking at the ESPN analytics. They always have like a percentage. Kansas State, ninety five point four percent chance to win this game. Yeah. Also, right now, twenty point or twenty and a half point favorites. And I'm sure that will probably grow uh, a little bit before uh, kickoff. I don't think that's going to go backwards at all. So, yeah, that one has the makings of, like, 48 to nothing, if not worse, all over it. I, I don't see a lot of optimism here for the Bears. All right. And then uh, we went um, at UCF trying to, you know, they got their first win at home against Oklahoma State. And you wonder, is there the, the thing that Mike Gundy has to be a, very careful is his team being really, really good right now, and is there is there any of that on the road and you just don't focus like you should? But when you have Ollie Gordon, you're probably going to be just fine. Well, I mean, it's great that UCF has a terrific rush defense. Oh, God, wait. No, they don't. Uh, so, yeah, that's not a great matchup for them. You'd think Ollie Gordon probably have a big day. But, I mean, at, you know, bounce house Saturday afternoon. Got a big-time team rolling in to get them even more fired up, try to get a win, you know, a big landmark win here in the first year of the Big 12. So I think they'll be feisty. I don't know if they have enough to stack up with Oklahoma State, but you never know when you go on the road. And and like you said, it's as much about Oklahoma State's approach as anything. If they go in there thinking it's just a layup and that, you know, they've gotten the, the hardest part out of the way for right now, and don't uh, take care of their business and stay focused, then, yeah, there's always that possibility to slip up. So you do have to be very mindful of that. All right. And then West – oh, no, Texas, TCU, which uh, when the schedule came out or you looked at this year, man, that could be fun. 
Texas now rolling, trying to protect their turf at the top along with Oklahoma State in Fort Worth. That game's a tooth. Though not a night game, I believe, uh, on uh, on ABC. Well, it's, they're still deciding, it looks like. Or no, has it been decided that says 2.30 or 6.30? Well, it has to be decided. Paxton yeah, mentioned that all their now. games are now at night. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah. 6.30, I guess. That's yeah. why I needed the other one, but that's fine. We can use this graphic. Yeah. Um, I, I was hopeful that this game would be uh, against a, a better TCU team, so we'd see it. They're kind of they're in a tailspin right now, um, and we'll see uh, how they bounce back against Texas. Uh, maybe maybe there's some there's some fire, some gumption, some want to there, but I you know I, I just don't see it right now from TCU. Yeah, so that's the six thirty kickoff, which is uh, what you gotta expect on ABC um, is where you'll find that one. So that'll be a nice little uh, spot for them. I, I wish TCU was better, but uh, they have lost four out of their last five. Uh, they're one game under five hundred. They're only um, above, you know, Baylor, Cincy, and I think UCF as far as the Big 12 standings go at this point. So it's not been a good response to last year's great run. And, you know, you went and attacked the transfer portal and you changed your OCs. And, um, you know, I don't think the play calling is as much of an issue as TCU fans have have made it out to be, but it's easier to target that when it's Kendall Bryles and you want to, you know, you have an extra little umph to get mad about, especially those that didn't want him in the first place. Um, I think they're dealing with a quarterback issue at the moment that Josh Hoover has some brilliant moments, but he also has some just complete brain farts as a young player. And I just don't think they're as talented or as good as they were last year, just period in general, which is to be expected when you lost all that they lost and some all-timers in program history. But you thought that going out and attacking the portal the way they did would maybe – uh, you know, fill in those blanks, and it just hasn't as quickly as you would have, have expected or have wanted it to. So they've been a disappointment for sure. I don't think Texas can just coast, though. I think that they do have to be, you know, upset-minded and and be ready for that the same way Oklahoma State has to be going into Orlando. But I do think Texas is a pretty heavy favorite here, and unless they throw up on themselves or TCU just pulls out the greatest performance they've had all year, that uh, the Longhorns should be pretty heavy favorites in this one. West Virginia, Paul, Craig, we brought this up earlier in Norman. OU's lost back-to-back. They had control of their own destiny. They do not anymore. And now they got a team coming in that kind of just kind of like kind of in a way beats people up a little bit that sometimes it's pretty, sometimes it's mostly not, but they keep winning. Yeah, they're uh, <laughs> they, they've rallied themselves this year to 6-3. and three. Didn't think that would be uh, anywhere near possible. Uh, I mean, they've they've played good football, and they got off to the hot start, and it's, uh, you know, been something they've been able to maintain. I mean, Oklahoma is struggling, as you mentioned. Uh, West Virginia, after those couple losses, able to beat up on a couple of the newcomers in UCF and BYU, but now heading out on the road is a much different story. Now, they have won on the road. They they won, you know, in in, uh, Fort Worth. They won in Provo just this past week. So um, they've won on the road, but I think going to Norman's a bit of a different story, especially against the OU team that you would think is going to be teed up in you know pretty ready to end this losing streak but that is an interesting game given uh, West Virginia's ability to run the football also playing tough defense so yeah if Oklahoma doesn't get its its uh its uh its mojo back and get their their thing uh, back in sync then this this could be trouble for them we mentioned kind of touched on Cincinnati Houston that game being on FS1 rather than a Kansas State game even though the opponent is Baylor uh and then the Nate the game at night uh Iowa State, BYU, great game in the mountain, and BYU after getting throttled by West Virginia, uh, Iowa State 
played really well, especially in the second half against Kansas, but not enough to come back from what was the table that was set. Now, I, I think this is a bad matchup for BYU, I, I think, but it is in Provo. Uh, Provo and Ames kind of have that same kind of mystique to them a little bit when you go in and it maybe doesn't uh, make sense why you're not playing as well as you think you should. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think Iowa State, um, that was a really good game. They, they play really tough. I think they bounce back this week. Uh, Houston uh, has an opportunity still to go bowling. I don't yeah. know if you guys realize that. If they yeah. could beat Cincinnati this week, then they're sitting in a situation where, you know, a bowl game is a real possibility with a couple of weeks to go. Now, are they going to beat Oklahoma State? Probably not. They go to Orlando and win? Maybe. I mean, they've yeah. played UCF plenty of times, yeah. you know, or they have plenty of familiarity with the uh, Knights. But, yeah, you win this weekend, you give yourself a chance there in the last couple of weeks to go bowling, which would be absolutely massive given where they were at one point. Um, so that's uh, that's an interesting one. And Cincinnati is obviously looking for their first Big 12 win, and this is about as – well set up as it's going to be, being at home, being against a team that you know well from your former conference, uh, you would think that this is an opportunity to probably get or maybe get that that first win. And then, um, what was that, Iowa State and BYU. Yeah, I mean, that was a tough loss for Iowa State. They definitely didn't play very well, given the, the opponent rolling into your, your turf. I, I thought that they'd play a little bit sharper, at least initially. But, um, you know, credit to, um, what was that, uh, was that uh, who did Iowa State just lose to? To Kansas. Kansas. Um, to Kansas. Give credit to Kansas for being a you know a solid team. But yeah, I mean the Provo factor I think makes this a little bit more interesting. If this was an Ames, I think it'd be pretty much a foregone conclusion of which way you'd roll here. But can BYU uh, you know buck up and and show some fight here and, and get some stops against an Iowa State offense that isn't super imposing, um, and then have that home crowd behind them? Maybe they get a little mojo going. Um, but that definitely plays into their favor and gives them a, a much better chance than, than how they've been on the road. I would bet that Kalani Sataki, even if they've run out of gas, if Slovis plays or not, they're going to come out wanting to kind of make bet, that thing yeah. into a little bit of a, a slugfest if they possibly can. They need a win. They're one win away, so there is the carrot dangling in front of them. When we come back, we'll do the top 25 of the bangers a little bit later on. There are four games coming up this weekend that are ranked teams against ranked teams. But Jed Drenning, West Virginia, we just discussed them. They're playing well, and they throttled BYU. Jed Drenning, next on 365 Sports. Richard Carr, Buick GMC Cadillac. I should also mention that whoever wins that Iowa State and BYU game, just dawned on me as we're going to commercial break here, they will also... Make a bowl game, fellas. So that is a winner gets a bowl game uh, situation there in Provo later on uh, this weekend. But as far as Richard Carr Motors goes, they are the people that you can count on and the people that I've counted on for quite a long time. Uh, right now, they've got qualified buyers, uh, an ability to save over $7,000 on a new 2023 GMC Sierra 1500. Qualified buyers can also finance for 0.9% as they have dozens of Sierras on the lot. Um, with the inventory they have, the pricing they have, the financing they have, they feel confident they can get you in a new GMC Sierra today. And uh, military and first responders can also save an additional $500. That also goes for the Buick lineups. Military and first responders can save an additional $500 on Buicks, a perfect combination of first-class luxury and value like no other, ranked number one overall brand for new vehicle quality by J.D. Powers. Buick offers amazing value, and right now you can also save 5000 on a new full-size 2023 Buick Enclave or save 4000 on a 2023 mid-size Buick Envision. Plus, qualified buyers get 
point, uh, get 1.9% financing and no payments until 2024. And I know that's a lot of lingo, a lot of numbers. Personally, I'm not good with absorbing all that kind of stuff. So you can just go over to the website, richardcar.com, or give them a phone call, and they will help you along the way explaining their deals and their offers and what all they have on the lot. But right now, it's jam-packed with new and pre-owned cars, so take advantage of those great deals today. And uh, speaking of pre-owns, if you're looking to trade, they have a lot full of quality pre-owned cars and trucks with a financing goal of 100% credit approval. They say yes when others say no. So, again, you can give them a call, go over to the dealership, or visit the website to get more information on uh, all of those offerings. And they also have their award-winning service department, which is open to and standing by to keep you on the road. And they cannot be beat on tires currently, offering a price match guarantee on the lowest price comparable tires in town. So service your car or truck with the people you can count on at Richard Carr. In business for over 24 years here in Central Texas, run by proud Central Texans and proud Baylor Bears. Log on to richardcar.com today. Call now or go see them now off Highway 6 at the Imperial Exit. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Baylor alumni are more than 160,000 strong. When we all join hands to support our university, we don't just move the needle, we move mountains. Working together, we create life-changing opportunities for students on the field, in the classroom, in the laboratory, and in life for generations to come. So get connected. Get involved. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Did you know that one out of every four men have symptomatic low levels of testosterone and don't even know it? And if you think you're too young to worry about it, guess again. Low T levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, raise your cholesterol, and cause weight gain. Petty Clinic Low T can set up same-day blood screening and results. So if you're tired of being tired, call or go online at PettyClinicLowT.com. It's a private clinic with an atmosphere catering to men. Affordable, only $165 a month, including lab work, office consultation, testosterone injections, and follow-up visits compared to $300 or more a month in Dallas or Austin, and you don't have to drive 90 miles one way or the other and fight the traffic. Petty Clinic Low T has board-certified physician consultations and will provide the best form of brand-strength testosterone. Contact Petty Clinic Low T for increased energy, improvement in sexual desire and performance, mood, concentration, even a decrease in body and belly fat. Just off Highway 84 and Old Hewitt Drive in Woodway, PettyClinicLowT.com. There are 26 letters in the alphabet, over 600,000 words in the dictionary, and just three of them said together can change everything. Let's order pizza. Those three words lead to dough made from scratch and three fresh signature cheeses that blanket golden crust in a heavenly melt on Marco's Pizza that'll blow your mind. So visit Marco's.com to order and stop by Marco's Pizza in Bellmead, China Spring, Woodway, and in Robinson. Marco's. Pizza lovers get it. 
From the first workout to the last practice, sports is an incredible challenge. Hi, this is Dan Engel with the First National Bank of Central Texas, and we're proud to support each athlete, every parent, and our educators. From families, small businesses, to the biggest industry, we're here to help. With remarkable products like instant-issue debit cards free at all of our banking centers, we've got banking ideas that fuel big dreams. The First National Bank of Central Texas, familiar faces making local decisions. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is 365 Sports. The Sikkim 365 app is brought to you by Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat. Come by, let's be friends. We got, went over some of the evidence, or all of the evidence from the Big 12 over the weekend and some in college football elsewhere. The schedule for this week in West Virginia has become one of the really good stories among others in the Big 12, as a team, Neil Brown said to us on Big 12 Media Day, he was pissed off, basically, about being picked dead last. The people don't give enough credit to the offensive line, etc. They didn't even like the school colors. They got those wrong at Big 12 Media Day. Jed Drenning, one of our go-to guys when it comes to West Virginia football, the sideline reporter. Jed, thank you very much. Uh, what has fueled this uh, season for, for uh, West Virginia in 6-3, and 4-2 and two in the conference? Well, I, I'll tell you this, Smokey. We, we've heard that number 14 as a popular refrain within the building heading onto the field for pregame. I mean, that's been the war cry. Uh, they were legitimately upset over the fact that we won two of three against two pretty good teams down the stretch last year in Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Uh, we seem to be getting some things together once we put uh, uh, Garrett Green behind center and uh, started the season that way. And and I, I just think that uh, they felt that, that that disrespect was maybe a bridge too far, and that has been a rallying cry. Jed, uh, they've you know they they've managed to kind of go through. They don't do anything spectacularly, but they do a lot of things fundamentally well. Um, how did? Neil Brown get that message across to them about maybe not worrying about some of the things they can't do and just leaning into things that they can do. Well, I think what's been critical is over the course of the last several years, we've been working towards the offensive line that we now finally have. Uh, when Neil took the job in 2019, we didn't just struggle to run the football and move bodies up front. We struggled historically to run the football. I mean, our numbers were beyond abysmal. A turning point started when Zach Frazier arrived as a freshman the COVID year in 2020. He's been the hub and the cornerstone at center of this West Virginia offensive line, which a lot of it's homegrown. We have two NFL tackles, both from Spring Valley High School here in West Virginia. Uh, Zach's from right down the road in Fairmont, uh, West Virginia. And uh, and then you plug and play the other folks around him. I mean, Tomas Remack, a former freshman All-American. But the swing men is what's been most impressive. We, we finally got the offensive line guys where we've wanted it for four years. And it's an offensive line so sturdy that you can build your football team around it. And it allows a lot of other things to be made possible. But you have Brandon Yates playing two, sometimes three positions. Jaquay Hubbard, another swing man, played a lot of tackle. Nick Malone has played a ton of football for us. So as excited as we've been about that offensive line coming in, our starting five, those starting five have rarely played together. So it's always been a function of next man up, but the offensive line has to lead the way. And when you can have that type of physicality at the point of attack and set, it sets the stage for an ability to run the football, set up play action, 
play keep away from a time of possession standpoint to help your defense out. It has this effect that hits all portions of your program, and that's exactly what we've seen. Jed, BYU is not the greatest against the run, but I don't want that to take away from that performance on Saturday and the two-headed monster, and not to mention you've got a quarterback that can boogie as well. But uh, a lot of people have known about C.J. Donaldson, but Jaheim White and and his performance as well on Saturday, just what's kind of the feel as far as how that running back room, uh, in particular thanks to that offensive line, uh, but how that's starting to develop and come together with a couple of young guys who seem to be pretty talented. Yeah, Jaheim's becoming a little bit more than a change-up guy. Uh, we were excited about him when we signed him out of York, Pennsylvania, and, and he showed a lot of possibilities in terms of what he could do from a skill set standpoint. And when you plug him into our zone blocking scheme or even some of our gap stuff, he tends to hide behind those big pulling offensive linemen and he's tough to find. Uh, he's a much different type of back than C.J. Donaldson is. C.J. Donaldson is. C.J. is more the 240-pound big physical bruiser, whereas Jaheim is shifty, explosive, dynamic, uh, you run that stretch play, that outside zone. I mean, he can kind of toy with the different reads on it and still hit that extra gear to bounce it outside uh, before you can blink an eye. So, uh, yeah, he, he's been a different tool and a different resource from us for us. Uh, but once again, it all starts up front. When, when you can have an offensive line as consistently productive as what we've had, and then those different pieces in the running game, and you talked about the fact Garrett can run around too, that's made like life difficult to defend us. I mean, this run that we're on, this is what I think in the offseason when you heard offensively, when you heard Chad Scott as the new O coordinator and Neil Brown, who's still the play caller, when you heard them talk about the vision they had for this offense, I think you're starting to see that vision unfold now. In the last four games, we're averaging 510 yards. That's against league competition. In the last four games, we're averaging 38 points a game. And the beauty of it is the balance, 259 passing, 251 rushing, but again, the time of possession piece is so critical because it limits the snaps the defense has to defend. And we're very, very thin, especially on the second and third levels of linebacker and back in the secondary. But the numbers we're putting up from a keepaway standpoint, guys, we're averaging 33 minutes and 55 seconds of possession per game. The last time a Big 12 offense did that was before we were in the league. You have oh, to go wow. back to 2011, the Colin Klein K-State offense, mm-hmm. the last time a team did that. So it's been so critical in the role that it's played helping our defense out. How much does the mentality of what Garrett Green brings to the table, the way he plays, lead to some of this too? He's a junkyard dog guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, I know. He, he has some chihuahua in him. He, he's not <laughs> a big kid, but you, you better not tell him that because uh, uh, he will not back down from any – thing and and the way he plays uh and just the energy that he brings really resonates with not just the rest of the offense but the team at large i mean the locker room uh he doesn't have a bad day i mean it doesn't have a bad day of practice it's just he has such high energy uh he's an emotionally charged kid and it's easy to get behind him uh but but he never gives up on a play never gives up on a game never gives up on a moment and uh it was just a function guys you've seen flashes of this in the past, you saw what he could do, but there were just different holes in his game throughout the course of the last four years. He wouldn't trust his eyes, so he would just rely too much on his athleticism. But now it's all starting to come together. But he, he's far from a finished product. That's the most exciting part. The last couple of weeks in particular, we've left a lot of yards on the table from a throw game standpoint. So he's, he's still trying to become more refined as that pure passer. 
He's a dangerous deep ball guy. He understands the big picture of what we're trying to do offensively. He's helping put us in the right position now. But it's the off-script piece. I mean, that's what you don't have when you have a statuesque guy who just stays in the pocket. You're not going to have somebody ad-lib the way that Garrett ad-libs and finds those free yards that you otherwise aren't going to have and can move the sticks on a critical third and six because he can shift around and move. So he's been so instrumental in our success. Jed, for this matchup this week against Oklahoma, uh, what do you see as where where they can exploit a team that uh, is licking its wounds after the last couple weeks? Yeah, we're getting them. I was kind of hoping for an early, lazy 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff, (laughs) but unfortunately the powers that be had other ideas. We're going to get them under the lights on the prairie, uh, our parting shot before they head to the SEC. So uh, we're we're going to take their best shot. they still have some things to play for. Yes, they lost Bedlam. Yes, they've dropped two in a row. But they're still an incredibly well-coached and incredibly, obviously, talented football team. Uh, I think they play highly aggressive defensive football, uh, and they're not going to wait on you. They're going to come after you. So sometimes what happens is maybe you can take advantage of those types of things from a run fit or a gap, stamp, gap integrity standpoint. I mean, that's part of what happened last year. Uh, and I'm sure they're studying with great scrutiny. Uh, last year in Morgantown, Garrett ran for 100-plus yards on him uh, off the bench in relief of JT and helped us win that football game with that last-second field goal. So uh, I fully expect to take their best shot. A couple years ago, we went in there, and it was a tie football game in the fourth quarter, and we felt like we were driving for the potential go-ahead score. We had a bad snap. Next thing you know, we had to punt and pin him inside the 10. Spencer Rattler drives him from the eight-yard line for the first walk-off game-winning field goal, believe it or not, in Oklahoma Sooners football history. So we're going to take their best shot. It's going to be a supreme challenge. There's a reason we're a two-touchdown underdog. That is one of the more difficult places in all of college football to step into and try and snatch a win. So we realize what we're up against. Take away the atmosphere, although I know that does play a, a huge role into things, Jed, but you mentioned the, the thinness at linebacker a, a few moments ago. Is that the big concern I guess heading into to Norman, is it the defense, uh, given that Oklahoma has what can be an explosive offense, uh, given that there is some confidence behind what West Virginia is doing offensively right now? Is it, is it that defense, and, and what do you think of that matchup, West Virginia's defense versus Dylan Gabriel and company? Well, well depth is going to be a concern, not so much as a point of attack. The, the rotation that we've had with our defensive line has been an incredibly pleasant surprise for us. We've gone seven, eight, sometimes nine deep in that rotation, and they've all been productive. Uh, but we lost some critical pieces, not just early in the season, but even in the off season, uh, that have laid us bare bones uh, at the linebacker spot. We lost some critical pieces. We had two JC kids, or two, excuse me, two portal kids that we thought would be an instrumental part of a corner and a safety. They're gone, so we're very thin. But I, I tell you what, the guys that we put in there. We can't complain about their production, whether it's a freshman of Ben Cutter at Will Backer also playing some Mike uh, being thrust into action because we lost Trey Lathan, who was playing the best football maybe out of anybody on our entire defense. We lost him for the season. Uh, or even on the back end, Beanie Bishop was leading the nation in pass breakups. That's something. Guys, we couldn't play the football in the air to save our lives mm-hmm. last year. We had the fewest passes defended in the entire Big 12. We were 123rd in the country. And now you have the national leader in both PBUs and passes defended. We have a transfer safety in Anthony Wilson from Georgia Southern, who's done some really good things for us. Aubrey Burks is back to being one of the more high-level safeties in the entire Big 12 Conference at his best. He's among the top two or three back-end defenders, I think. Malachi Ruff in a corner. Marcus Floyd is safety. So there are ones 
But when you start to get past that in a Hershey McCord mixed in, but when you start to get past that, that's what we have to protect against. And one of the things we've had to do, guys, in recent weeks, when you have young players uh, at the linebacker spot or a run-fit safety spot, sometimes it's more difficult for them to understand and appreciate and master their run-fits. You saw what Ollie Gordon did to us against Oklahoma State. What a, yeah. what a great job those guys did. But we also missed a bunch of run-fits. So what we tried to do in the past, we chopped up our front with a bunch of twists and stunts with much greater regularity. In the last couple of weeks, we've more picked our spots. Jordan Leslie's been very smart about it. We still do a little stunning, a little twisting, but we like to present a much clearer picture for the second and third level defenders that are young and still trying to understand their fits. So those twists and things can chop it up and make it more cloudy for them. So you're risking a missed run fit. So they've simplified things up front at the point of attack for that reason. And it's been effective enough the last couple of weeks, but against the talent that Oklahoma has, once again, you're going to have to, you know, burn that candle from both ends. You know what I hear from you, Jed? We'll let you go. And thank you. I know you had a busy day yourself, but man, you sound excited. You sound happy about this team uh, that West Virginia has and what they've done, the, the resiliency and also the chip on their shoulder. They play like it. It's good to see. Congratulations. And we'll hopefully uh, have you again here before the end of the regular season. I sure appreciate it, and that's a good read on your part. We're excited. Thank you, Jed. Drenning, sideline reporter, West Virginia football. You could feel it. He does a great job of breaking things down as well. The signal caller on uh, his Twitter feed. Well, things must be going well. We didn't even do a seat check uh, on Neil Brown. Didn't even yeah. do a, a temperature check on him. I think huh? that would be almost uh, a slap in the face yeah, or something. Yeah, I, I do think yeah, that's I, fair. there's a lot of coaches in the Big 12. At least that's three fair. of them would love to be 6-3 and three right now. Maybe yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, he's he's done a great job. I, that chip on his shoulder. Sometimes that stuff doesn't work, and sometimes it does. And mm-hmm. I think, and I think some of this was like you hear Jed talk. It was like legitimate. Of you know, um, feels like there's a lot of times where the outside world doesn't know the details. They just see the record and they see how poorly they played uh, at certain times. And they're like, okay, well, West Virginia's. And then you look at the schedule, and you know, turns out that. The first part of that schedule wasn't as tough as it looked, and the only good team they had to play was Penn State. Yep. And we need to start, as the college football world, you know, we've been bad about this forever, but again, I'll keep saying it, everything's in flux all the time now. The transfer portal has changed everything. And if you lose the wrong – you could lose four guys, but if it's the wrong four, you're screwed. Yeah. And I think that – we have to look at it. Well, it looks tough, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see when it starts because everything is in flux all the time. Yeah, and uh, I think West Virginia should get Hudson Clement back uh, this week at wide receiver, which would be big news. And you've got Jaheim White uh, now starting to you know be a, a big factor there along with C.J. Donaldson, like you said, kind of a thunder-lightning situation there. Garrett Green um, has gotten way more time to play this year. I mean, he's the guy. Uh, whereas, you know, we saw him in previous years and it was kind of – you know, uh, it's coming in because of injury or just a little spot duty to run the football or whatever the case may be, and it's very much his team, and uh, he's improving and, and playing well. Um, he's danger on the ground and, and can be in the air. That's still, like Jed said, you know, a, a work in progress is his passing. Um, but, you know, that'll that'll come with time and experience, and, you know, he starts throwing the ball around, and you got those two running backs, and you got a big offensive line, you got a pretty stingy defense that's overcoming some injuries. Uh, although you know that that can be shaky as well, they've been in some shootouts, but they've they've been in all sorts of different types of games and have been able to prove super resilient. So um, you know, coming up, going to Norman, I think is the big thing here that kind of makes you go, ah, that could be that could be tough. 
as opposed to playing in Morgantown. But, yeah, you got to love uh, where they're sitting right now if you're a West Virginia fan, especially knowing the, the kind of mood going into this season. And even with uh, two teams at 5-1, and one, or was it 6-1 and one now? No, 5-1 and one in the conference. Yeah. Uh, with two teams, there is still what could be a big – just a big thing of salad just – Records still could have both teams that make the turn or the championship game with two losses. So West Virginia, you never know what's going to happen. Are they favored to win the rest of their games? Probably not. Probably won't. But they are still not out of the mix. I think it's a great story with what they've done at six and three, and they've lost just twice in the Big Twelve. No room for error if they want to have that dream of playing in the Big Twelve title game. Yeah, I mean they have to win this weekend, but they're going to they're going to be favored to win their last two. Yeah, uh, so no, they will yeah, be. they're yeah. they're setting up for. Eight and four if they just win the games they're supposed to the rest of the way, which I think would be a, a nice little run there for, for the ears for sure. We will come back with J.J. Joe Baylor, uh, former quarterback and sideline, excuse me, color analyst. His thoughts at 5 o'clock, Phil Bennett. What does he think about Alex Grinch and what happened with USC and what's next for them with Lincoln Riley? This is 365 Sports. Alan Samuels. Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. They have room now for the entire family for the holiday season. Uh, hard to find 2021 Chevrolet Suburban High Country. Powerful 6.2 liter V8 engine, only $63,990. They also have the 2022 Dodge Challenger Wide Body Scat Pack Shaker, under 2,000 miles, ready for immediate delivery at 56990 Experience the luxury of the finest 2019 BMW X7 Drive 50i with low miles, massaging seats, and rear entertainment for 55780 Also, the Ram certified 1,500 trucks with 18 to choose from. Find out what you're looking for in a great deal there. 18 was what I had like Thursday of last week. I'm sure that's a lower number, so act when you can right now. Also, Jeep certified 2020 Jeep. Wrangler Sahara, priced at $39,990. Ram 2500 and 3500s right now in stock, 10% off on them. Those are new. Stop by Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep Ram Fiat, Loop 340 east of 84 in Waco. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick'em, Bears. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at Alliance BankTexas.com. Member FDIC and Equal Housing Lender. 
At Ideal MRI, we feel blessed to be a part of the Waco community. We're a small family business right here in Central Texas, and our goal is to bring down the cost of health care while maintaining high quality. At times like this, the cost of health care has never been more important, and unfortunately, significant illnesses and injuries still occur. That's why Ideal MRI is open and here to serve you through the difficult time. We offer premium MRIs just like a hospital with state-of-the-art technology and specialists, but you'll pay less. Sometimes thousands of dollars less, whether you're using insurance or not. At Ideal MRI, we accept most insurance and there are no hidden costs. Even offering financing if that's needed, everything included in the price, and you'll not get something as a surprise in the mail later on. If you need an MRI, ask your doctor about Ideal MRI. They'll know. You can schedule an appointment safely from home online in minutes at IdealMRI.com or give us a call, 833-IDEAL-MRI, IdealMRI.com. It was broad daylight. I stepped into a gas station for five minutes to grab a snack, and just like that, my car was broken into. They made out like a bandit. My laptop, my phone, everything. I called my agent to see what could be done, and he restored my faith in humanity. My claim was processed so quickly, and I was able to recover my losses. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Stepping into the boots of a U.S. Army officer can add confidence and leadership skills to your son or daughter's career path. See all the things they can achieve in our boots at GoArmy.com. U.S. Army Waco Recruiting Company, 254-598-8131 or 254-776-1543. Segment with former Baylor quarterback and Baylor radio analyst JJ Joe is sponsored by Alliance Bank Central Texas, where customers have confidence that their financial needs are in good hands with two locations in Waco. By the way, thanks to Kim Coulter in beautiful Scottsdale area hitting balls while listening to the show. Uh, I always feel bad for you when you have to do uh, interviews in certain segments, even though I know you'll say he's a nice guy. He was talking about Dave Aranda. I don't feel bad at all. I don't feel sorry for me to do an interview. He's a great guy. I wish him the best. Things are not going, obviously, very well. But thank you, Kim, for the $10 Super Chat. We're now joined by J.J. Joe, former Baylor quarterback, Baylor color analyst, every Monday at 445. And, and J.J., uh, I had an interview today with Dave, and he admitted, he goes, I know this is a business He's such a nice guy. People love him to death. And I know you can't say too much, but, man, things just don't seem to get, get, be getting any better. Nah, you know, it's just one of those seasons, Smoke. And, and, and you know, you guys have seen a lot of them, and we're in one. And for some reason, um, you know, we just, in, in essence, this team has just had some opportunities, and, and we just don't have enough to get out of our own way a little bit. And, and I know Dave knows that. And, you know, and, and we've been trying to figure it out for the last, what, now nine weeks. And it's just one of those seasons where, you know, at the end of the season there'll be a lot of evaluation and trying to figure out what's next. And it's going to be a really busy offseason. JJ, the way that college football world moves is different now. Um, you can't plan to, like, have anybody for more than a year anymore so you really have to hit and hit fast um i i wonder how baylor approaches that in and breaks out of maybe the old way of doing things because you have to adjust on the fly 
Yeah, and you're right. It, it's and, and we've all everyone's had to learn, right? I'm glad I'm not doing it, but I tell you, I think our guys have learned a lot because I mean, you know, it's like all of us, even as a former player, you know, once once you have um, an experience where your guys are competing at the highest level, uh, and I get it. I mean, Baylor is is not one of these ones. These 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 programs that stack five star talent all over the place, but at the same time, you you know, you just don't expect. Uh, the precipitous drop like we've had at such a rapid pace when really, and I said this to you guys before, where the rules I felt broke our way. Um, whereas you didn't have to wait to recruit a three or four star after the benefit of a championship, wait for that young man to develop. And we have a lot of great young talent. Uh, you could go get a, some stop gaps and it's a, it's a totally different ball game. And if you want to participate, uh, you got to go get it. JJ, that was an uh, interesting game, it, you know, in some ways. Uh, but what stood out? I mean, I'll just have you say what stood out to you because we could talk about a lot of different things: the slow start, the the big rally there at the end, which is is far too common. But it was at least good to see that fight. Um, just the the execution issues. What what stands out to you from that game against Houston? Yeah, I mean, I tell you, you know, it's, it's really it's really just the lack of offensive punch, especially early. Um, you know, I understand we, you know, we've all talked about all the challenges up front and all that. Um, but really what happened is U of H took a page out of, I would say, Iowa State's playbook, made a decision not to really blitz us too much. Uh, felt they could rely on their front. Uh, and they played coverage. That's why Blake was holding the ball so much. I'm just, I'm just really, even with, even with sometimes guys, our offensive line is not playing well. I'm just amazed at how, uh, first, I still don't get the running back rotation. I'll be honest. I, 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 I mean, I just don't get it. Uh, and because I, I've never seen a situation where guys run one carry and come right out. I mean, I, that's there's no way. There's not a running back on the face of this planet, I don't think, that would say, yeah, just give me one carry and coach. Then I, I'm, I'm ready. No, they, they need a series. And I just don't think that we've gotten the benefit of the doubt with our runners, at least, against teams that, uh, I'm going to ask this question. Was U of H's run defense any better than UCL's, statistic-wise? I would say probably so, but not significantly better. So, J.J., uh, shaping, obviously, running for his life and, and the offense sputtering. And even in a dark time of a loss in an overtime and yet another loss, what, can you try to explain a guy that's mobile but he's not known as a dual threat? On the fourth and seventeen, and how in the hell he pulled that out of his? Uh, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, I'll tell you when he started to roll out, and I think I saw what he saw. I just didn't think he would make it because what he saw was an over pursuit, and there was a there was like a little. It was a, not a little. It was a nice little gap between what I would call second level and then kind of what I'm going to call first level. Where if he could clear it, he was going to run a long ways and. He made the one thing I say, he made the decision early. He split it. And once he split it, was no one over there. So once he split it, I knew he would make it. I just didn't think he would split it. And he did. And uh, Blake is playing, man. Uh, he's playing. And uh, I just hope we, we find a way to put something around him so they can, he can get another shot at it. JJ, they've got uh, a daunting task this week. It is a team that runs the ball really, really well. Um do they – how do you adjust to that when you know it's just not something you're going to be able to overcome 
this year. They just not stopped the run at all. Yeah, I think you in, in Coach Klein and his staff, they're, they're really good. They showed us that last year when they came to Waco and, and really took it to us. Um, I, I think the only thing you can do, they're almost like a single wing team at times, but now they have Will Howard back there, and that young man, is, is he can throw the ball like that. He's much better passing the ball than most uh, K-State quarterbacks. And it's going to be tough because they, they, you can't stack on him. If you stack, he's going to get you in the passing game. So it's going to be a really tough one, man, up in Manhattan. And I, I just I, – I don't know what the plan is. I mean, I, I couldn't even come up with one against a team like that that now is can attack you both ways uh, and they're running the ball well too. Man, it's going to be a long day if we don't come out and play really almost perfect football. Yeah, JJ, uh, is there anything other than what we mentioned about Shapen? Obviously, Keytron's been out. Um, Cameron's making some catches. Uh, just how, how often do you feel like most of the calls to receivers are actually throws within five yards of the line of scrimmage or behind it? Yeah, I, you know, and I think part of that smoke is because of we're just not sure about our offensive line. I, I think. You know, you know, it's it's been kind of a working process all year, so I think they shortened the passing game some, uh, and that's really impacted things. Uh, I still think you got to take your shots, but you know, he threw the ball almost forty times. You know, he got a couple scores out of it. A lot of that was late. Um, I just think it's really a function of the fact that we do have trouble protecting him, and um, the good thing I thought is he didn't win a knee brace this week, so that tells me he's close to one hundred percent. And he showed that. But right now, I think it's just a function of where we are up front. All right. J.J., thank you very much. Did you wake up the next morning and forget to turn your clocks <laughs> wherever direction they're supposed to go? <laughs> hey, I, hey, I really appreciate that extra hour this week. So I'm working I'm working with it. Absolutely. We need to. Thank you for your time, J.J. Joe. Thank you, guys. Former Baylor quarterback, Baylor color analyst. I woke up on Sunday. The oven time was wrong. The microphone – I didn't know. I just – I guess – the microwave was wrong. The clock in the wall was wrong. So I changed the clock in the wall. I changed the microwave because that's – if I didn't change the oven, so about nine hours later, I'm like, oh, my God, I've lost an hour here somewhere <laughs> and finally got that one changed. Did too. it all before I went to sleep. Good. Yeah, I, uh, I think it took me a while to realize and and then eventually caught on. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. So, you know, a little quirk to daylight savings time. Uh, if you were checking your in-laws into a flight, it is not 24 hours before. It's 23 hours before. Oh, yes. So yeah. I tried to check in, Ahmad and Linda, to their flight uh, while I was sitting here waiting for the post-game show to start. Uh, and then uh, it said, no, nah, it's daylight savings time. you got to wait a whole hour. You were trying to cheat the system. That was <laughs> And then, you know, you had to tell them, like, hey, you're not checked in yet. Because they were on their way back from the game. They're still at the game uh, as it was ending. I was like, hey, you're not checked in yet. Like, why not? Well, Daylight savings time. It was hard to explain, like, but that's just the rules. No, there's that 24-hour rule. Yeah, I guess the uh, airport's on top of that, but uh, not so much maybe a lot of other things. But uh, good to know they have daylight savings all figured out with the check-in times. Yeah. Uh, I, I did want to make one comment about Richard Reese got one carry, and there's immediately a holding call. Yeah. And he was right out of the game. Yeah. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, he came in, got a carry, he got stuffed. There was a holding call, or I don't know, did he get stuffed? I can't even remember. No, I think he point. got some yards. Yeah, actually, yeah, but there was a holding call, and then he was just gone after that, really. And I, I know he had, uh, you know, more more carries than just the, the one, but 
Yeah, I, I don't get it either. I, I I don't get it. I mean, it's Dawson Pendergrass is getting a lot of carries, and, and I understand the, the appeal there. And Dominic Richardson, obviously, was a, a big get in the offseason, and I get the appeal there as well. But I don't know. If, you're, if your offense can't find a way in, because the, the line is so bad or whatever to get Richard Reese up and running, I mean, that's just that's a cataclysmic failure on this season. Three carries, 21 yards. That's just – Nine-yard run, and uh, – he had one catch for five. And it does come down to the O-line. I mean, it really does, at least offensively it does. I mean, that that's where everything starts, and their O-line is just not very good right now. Um, and it's it's not going to get any better, you know, to make a, enough of a difference before the season's over with. So to come in this year the way that they did, knowing all the guys they lost, they made a couple moves, but, I mean, that's that was a – they didn't do nearly enough to secure the O-line heading into this season, and it's doomed them from the very beginning of yeah, the year. Yeah, it kind of set them up for yeah. failure. They didn't – you know, again, Eric Mateos, Jeff Grimes, et cetera, I, I, I can't imagine they knew how this would go when they got into the early part of the season and got uh, boat raced pretty early by Texas State. Same yeah. thing goes for the D-line. I mean, that has not lived up to what you thought they might be able to do with T.J. Franklin coming back and some of the veterans they had and some of the additions they made, and, and they can't stop the run. I did and, see Boykins make a, a tackle behind the line of scrimmage, the big nose tackle. That was nice to see that, like a disruptive play. Yeah. But it's just when it's third down, uh, it you just don't see a lot of pressure. No, you don't. And no. you don't see it much during that one or two downs before that. And then you wonder, like, where things get skewed. It's like, oh, well, that D-line's facing that O-line in practice, and they think what they're seeing is good. But it's like, then you get out there, and they play other teams, and, man, it is not at all, at all good. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's a lot of issues. This will be a fascinating offseason. Um, I, I don't know what to predict whatsoever. Well, Phil Bennett can help us with that a little bit, but also with Lincoln Riley pulling the trigger on uh, Grinch at USC, his thoughts on what he saw there. Uh, Phil Bennett, longtime college football coach right now in semi-retirement. He said he's always a little bit interested. That's next. This is 365 Sports. Waco Custom Marketplace, your hometown grocery store, your place if you want for the last home game for Baylor, not the next couple of weeks, but when they play West Virginia. And pellet pellet fuel, uh, charcoal, cold beer, cold wine, and then on top of that, they always have some weekly specials the week before a game. Uh, But they also, with deer season underway, pork and smoked sausage seasoning, smoked Polish seasoning, summer sausage seasoning, this is for if you want wild game processing essentials. Uh, Jerky seasoning, jalapeno summer sausage seasoning. In other words, all the ingredients, whatever you have when it comes to a deer and what you have with the product, and then turning it into what you want with links and smoked sausage or other type of what you need, uh, including pepper jerky seasoning. One ounce cure, six twenty-five to uh, uh, percent, $6.25 to $25 a bag. Peppered, uh, no, uh, no-melt cheddar cheese, uh, cubed no-melt pepper jack cheese. If you want to combine some cheese inside whatever links you make from the deer sausage, you can do that too. It's Waco Custom Marketplace, 50-50 pork trim for $1.55 a pound, $4.25 Lake Air Drive in Waco. One size fits all. That may be all right for an adjustable belt or cheap sunglasses, but when it comes to your financial needs, no one wants a one-size-fits-all strategy. Ben Erlinson, your Edward Jones financial advisor, knows that his most important goals are yours. That's why he takes the time to understand your needs, knowing you. That's how Edward Jones makes sense of investing. Ben Erlinson, 100 North 6th Street in Waco, 254-759-8533. Edward Jones, member SIP. See
Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics, the team physicians for Baylor Athletics, diagnosing and treating all sports-related injuries, including concussions. These specialists also provide orthopedic services for athletes and non-athletes alike. Whether it's knee or shoulder pain, a wrist injury, orthopedic spine care, and even an arthritis and total joint clinic. Trust the doctors Baylor Athletics trust. Baylor Scott and White Southwest Sports Medicine Orthopedics wants to get you back in the game. TFNB Your Bank for Life is the official local bank of Baylor Athletics. Find out why more Central Texans are making TFNB their bank for life. Sign up for our Edge Checking and Savings accounts to earn interest or cash back. With five convenient locations and an award-winning mobile app, banking has never been easier. TFNB Your Bank for Life. Member FDIC. Petty Clinic Men's Healthcare in Woodway is now proud to offer you men... An exceptional weight management body sculpting product called semaglutide, also known as Ozempic or Wegovi. Semaglutide is an FDA-approved weight management medication. Once-a-week injections of this powerful medication offers an average body fat weight loss of 20% within the first year of treatment. In addition to body sculpting, semaglutide also normalizes blood sugars and has the clinical research proof of reducing blood pressure, cholesterol, stroke, and heart attack risk. If you're like most men and you have stubborn fat that will just not respond to typical diets and exercise, then help us finally here. Semaglutide, affordable, highly effective. Google search Petty Clinic Waco and reach out to the Petty Clinic team today for a free consultation with Dr. Petty to see if semaglutide is right for you. Go to PettyClinicLowT.com. Cars price right, day and night. This is 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. The 5 o'clock hour is sponsored by Edward Jones Investments with financial advisor Ben Erlinson, who'll navigate you through today's financial climate. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Now here's David Smoke, Paul Catalina, and Craig Smoke. Longtime college football coach, former Baylor defensive coordinator Phil Bennett, with us on 365 Sports. Has USC called? <laughs> You know, I watched that game along with a lot of people and sort of predicted that situation. Well, so, wow. yeah, they, they made the move. You're a longtime defensive coach. You've been a head coach. Uh, they've given up like an average of 45 points over the last month. That doesn't include some of the other games. Is there just a point in the season where you just got to cut bait? And I hate to use that. That sounds so negative, but and move on. And why now? Well, the the hardest thing to do as a leader is what's good for the whole and not the few. And, and I, I think Lincoln was trying to be fair. I think he was trying to be objective. But it just came to a point. I have a friend on the staff out there. It, it just came to a point where the kids weren't responding, and it was obvious in that game. You get a team that's a – I don't know if you know this, 
but they were Washington was the hundred and thirteenth in the country in rushing the ball, mm-hmm. and, and and rushed for almost four hundred yards. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy. Mm. Yeah, Johnson had never had more. He had a hundred yards in one game. Nothing ever close to that, and he goes off for two fifty six. That's that's a bad deal, Coach. Who's a young coach, a defensive coach in this country that you think is due for a hit at, at like a at a USC or somewhere that people may not know about? You know, I'm going to tell you something, and and you can look around. And and you you sit there and say, what about this guy? This guy, uh, the guy, and Kirby has him. Kirby had him as an assistant, uh, but the coordinator, that's co-coordinator at Georgia right now, is uh, he's a young guy, and he's really a good football coach. He is uh, he does a lot of things. Of course, he's at Georgia, and I don't know if he's calling it or if uh, the former. Uh, Florida coach is calling it, but but they've done a good job. And there's there's a lot of guys around that are that are just earning their spurs right now. You know, it's going to be interesting. But but uh, the guy at Michigan might be out of the job here. Uh, uh, what's his name? Minner. Yeah. So the, they'll find guys that fit what they want. Uh, I I just I just know this. They have better players than they're playing. And I've said this for a long time, coaching matters. And obviously, uh, unfortunately, they're not getting coached to the level they need to be. Thank you. Is Glenn Schumann the guy you're thinking of, along with Muschamp? Glenn Schumann, yeah. His dad, Eric, was a good friend of mine and was the defensive coordinator for Cavan at SMU, a really good coach. Coach, uh, what did you think of uh, LSU and Alabama? It's it's amazing all these years later to see Big Twelve style football from years ago be like the the hot to trot thing to do nowadays uh, all over college football. But uh, what a shootout! Uh, not as much defense, but there was some. Just your thoughts on uh, that matchup of Titans out there in the SEC West? I laugh every time I see uh, Nick in a game like that. <laughs> yeah. I told you the story of seeing in Shreveport that he wanted to talk. He goes, "I know it's coming to us." We need to get together. I need to, we need to talk about this, what y'all are doing in the Big 12. And it's there. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, what, one of the reasons he's good is he adapts. He adapts. And he's not, he knows right now the thing they can do, they don't have a great tailback, not great receivers. They're, they're winning with that quarterback. And, and they're finding things for him to do. Uh, I think it's really exciting, you know, and unfortunately, LSU is exciting on offense and is very similar to what USC is. That they're, I don't know if it's talent or just schematics, but they're really, really struggling on defense. It's hard for me to understand LSU ever not being good defensively because that's almost like in their blood when they hire somebody and, or, or when they have somebody that they recruit that it's just the dudes that they have on that side of the football, but something is not working out at all. On back to Alabama for a second. If you're a defensive coordinator, you've now watched how Jalen Milrow has grown from who he was even against Texas, where he looked shaky, unsure. Now he seems to have confidence. How much does a quarterback's confidence with either passing or running strengthens because you become very confident the other thing you do well? Well, I think we talked about this. I have a friend on the staff, and, and in their open day, uh, Nick 
got their offense together and say, what can we do? What, what, what can this kid do? You know, let's don't ask him to do what he can't do. And I think it's be- become obvious that they've taken their playbook, they've minimized it, and he is a true dual threat right now. His, you know, A&M is really good up front. They're good on defense up front. And in that game, I think he threw for 337 yards. And, you know, he throws a really good deep ball. They have found some intermediate throws that he does a really good job with. And I'm telling you, they have found his niche. And and it's obvious to me he's a different guy. He's comfortable. uh, And I think it's because they've limited what they're asking him to do. Yeah, they they simplified that. Like, look, if the guy can run a four four uh, or a four three, and nobody can catch him, just call that play, right, Phil? Right, right. <laughs> you know, he a lot of times, twice in that game, uh, and I think Brian Kelly said this. They said, "Well, it was zone read." No, it wasn't. He got pressure, and he never set on his fourth or fifth step, and he was gone. And, and you know, they were playing some type of an underneath man. The linebackers underneath coverage were running with with route, and it was on. He, you know, and when you're that fast, it's a threat. Coach uh, Bedlam had all the makings of a classic going in. Ends up with an Oklahoma State win in what might be the final matchup for for who knows how long. Um, they've got a special running back there in Stillwater, but I thought the, the offense played well in general. Just your thoughts on the Cowboys getting that big win over the Sooners and and how that unfolded. As we talked last week. Mike Gundy and his staff are to be super commended uh, for where they were and where they are now. Uh, It's obvious that whatever they're doing, it's turned. They put the players in the right position. Their quarterback's better. They're playing lights out on defense. Uh, I I thought the whole game that they pretty much could have taken the game over. Uh, And really, you know, I thought – them winning the game, it wasn't an accident. The best team won. Uh, I think that, that he does a really good job. I think that, that uh, these guys, it was a big game for them in the fact they haven't won many of those bedlams. And with this being the last one probably for a while, uh, I think those Oklahoma State people are going to be walking around pretty proud right now. Phil, your thoughts about Texas on defense? They found a way. Uh, they may have gotten really fortunate with Kansas State to me in overtime. It looked like they were, you know, they were at the doorstep. They're ready to win the game, and, and then of course had the uh, the blow up play on fourth down. Uh, are they? They have players everywhere that can run and all that, but their defensive line is fantastic. Is their secondary vulnerable? They they really are. You get a team that can throw the ball. It's going to be interesting this week in Fort Worth. Uh, it, it, this will be. This will be a challenge for them. Uh, uh, everybody's not counting on TCU being able to do things. Uh, Kendall can work some things against them that will give a problem. Uh, and I think I think it'll be a much better game than what they anticipate. Now, obviously, uh, I'm still confused. I like the coach at K-State. Uh, they had totally dominated the second half. Mm-hmm. And, David, I did not understand fourth and six going for it. When you had, if you hadn't played well and you've been struggling the second half, I say, yeah, you got to, you got to take a chance. But they had dominated the second half, had just held them to a field goal. Yep. You know that game needed to be extended, and they could impose their will on them. 
uh, I, I thought that was a crucial mistake. Coach, I, I thought so as well, and we were talking about that a little bit earlier, and I went and looked, and, and Kleiman said in his postgame that his guys were just tired and, and that he felt like they, they had the right play call and that they needed to just strike there and, and try and end the game. Have you ran into that situation, I would imagine, before of just like, hey, we, we need to finish this thing, or is that a situation that you saw where, hey, you just got to give it a little bit more because we need to take this into a, into a second overtime? Well, we, we all know this, Craig. It's easy to second guess. Sure. But I, as I'm watching the game, I'm watching it as a coach. And I said, hey, if you get to the one or two yard line, absolutely. That, 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 that is a, um, that's a situation that I, I'm, I'm going to go for it. But if it's fourth and six, and I had thought the quarterback had tailed off a little bit in throwing the ball. So, so I'm thinking, you know, kick the field goal, play defense, you, you know, I thought Malik really calmed down. He, he was very average the second half. Lost his rhythm, and I said, you can win this game. You know, I remember one time at Notre Dame, we played five overtime. And I remember one time, as long as game in Notre Dame in Pitt history, and they had uh, some really good players. And I remember they once said, tell me, said, Phil, should we try to, to end this game right here or keep it going? And I said, Dave, we've got their number right now. I said, I don't think they can score on us a touchdown. Field goal, yes, but I don't think they can score. And, and we played it out, and we were tired. We played over 115 snaps, but yet we won the game, and I think it was the right thing to do. Bill, the Baylor beaten by Houston, it's a bad loss. All the losses, other than Texas, obviously very good. And, uh, and, and now they're on the road against a pissed-off Kansas State. Uh, on the road against TCU, they never beat TCU. I think one of the last times was 61-58, then Charlie Brewer got them too. But they ended home against a team that likes to just beat people up in a way in West Virginia. What is it like when you are facing what could be 3-9, and nine, the expectations much higher than that, and as a coaching staff, when you hear the storm swirling? You know, I, I think without question, I, bunker mentality. It's about us. We're the one in the storm. We're the one. We're the only people who can get out of the storm. You know, you 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 you've got to shut your ears to the noise. Everybody's got an opinion about the coach, about the players, about the quarterback, and you've got to have a bunker mentality of saying, you know what, I'm going to find a way to get better these next three games. And, and we still have something to prove, which I, I believe that. Of course, I'm a longtime coach, and I, and I would always say that. But I think the coaches, and I think they're all smart, good, tough guys, can lead that. And they can be the, they can be the voices of what they want done. Uh, and I think Dave can't keep his hands in his pocket, and he can't, he can't be mild. He's got to let those kids know they're still ice. Hey, Big game at Manhattan, uh, big game at, at, in Fort Worth, uh, and then we're going to come back and we're going to beat West Virginia. There's still a lot of games to play and, and to play for. And I think you have to have that bunker mentality, you know, and stay away from the woe with me. We could have done this, could have, should have. Who's mm-hmm. getting fired? Who's staying? Don't worry about that. You know, it's the here and the now. That's what you've got to deal with. And it's got to come from these coaches. It's got to come from Dave or Randa. 
and, and he's got to show that he's got control of this group. And, and, and I know they're those type guys, and I hope to, to see it happen. Phil, what do you think is going to happen with Jimbo Fisher now that they're five and four and they have to win out to get back to that baseline of what they have been under him and Kevin Sumlin of eight and four? I've said the whole time, when A&M hired Jimbo, they hired a five and six coach. That's what his record was. And I think Bill Parcell says it. Unfortunately, you are what your record are. And then they give him a, a extended contract when the AD supposedly was going to hire him at LSU. Uh, people say, oh, you can't pay off $75 million. Well, listen to me. They could pay it off last year. If, if, they, if the powers to be see that they don't see the progress, you know, with, with what's going on, that they'll make a change. Now, with that said, I thought they played the best game. Uh, now, the, the Ole Miss got after them defensively, but offensively they showed up. Uh, they played tough. They played the, – the, they uh, fought adversity and just weren't quite good enough and didn't have the playmakers to win the game. Uh, you know, the the – you look at Ole Miss. Ole Miss had a, a portal guy from Louisiana Tech that we played against at North Texas that's going to be a first-round pick. He literally made some catches that, that only first-round picks make. And A&M, you know, they competed. Uh, but people are tired of it. They're, you know, it's the ninth game in a row on the road that they've lost. And, and they, with the money they spend here, and also at Baylor, uh, I think you got to be careful, Sandy. Well, we competed. You know what? It's not about competing. It's about finding a way to win. And it will be interesting it, to, to see what these people uh, at the end of the year. Now, I will say this: they got three games. They got Abilene Christian, Mississippi State. Definitely win two of them, and they're very capable of beating LSU, especially with LSU's defense. If something were to happen, to LSU's quarterback. A&M could definitely win this. But uh, it's going to be an interesting scenario, along with a lot of other other people. Coach, I know you got to experience a little bit of this uh, with, with the portal uh, when you returned there. Um, but I think of, of Baylor, or, or any other school for that matter, but them in particular, and you look at like, hey, they got a, you know, a nice group in the secondary that, hey, in three or four years, they could be sensational. They've got this or that that's nice. But <laughs> in the portal area, you can't bank on year to year anymore like those guys no. are all probably getting dm'd from schools all over the country Caden jenkins they're you know the young secondary yeah so like yeah. i mean i mean where do you begin even with that can you even imagine having to go through that and i know you had to go through that a little bit but just a year after year basis how different is that from years past when you could kind of bank okay well at least these guys will progress and evolve and we've got them under our wings for two or three years it's a new day in time and you right now right now you know, people, there used to be a saying when I was a young coach, all through it, you know, people remember college football, people remember November. What you better remember is start recruiting the kids you want back now. Don't think about the ones you don't have. Be re-recruiting the kids that make a difference in your program right now. Know what's going on. And you're right. People can say what they want to, but they're getting DMs, they're getting friends, they're getting former coaches. Um, it, it is a free-for-all, and, and everybody 
just like in the world, is trying to better themselves. And, and if you're not involved, uh, I think you can see at Clemson right now. I think you're going to see something change there because Clemson's going to be involved. You know, you're not in the portal. You better get in the portal because that – and I, I hate it because I really think it's affecting high school recruiting. You ask every high school coach, mm-hmm. he said, we're not getting recruited as hard as we used to because everybody feels the need to win now. Yeah, we can't wait two years to develop. Uh, you, you mentioned develop. You better have some strong support. Phil, I've got a question for you, if you don't mind, one more on, on uh, Baylor and Dave Aranda. Um, Craig kind of shared something with me. There was a maybe an interview with a couple of guys. One guy's in recruiting, another guy's a co-host of a podcast about when Dave Aranda was a defensive coordinator at Wisconsin, we knew, you knew, he knew what type of players they were going to get, and they were going to reload on that side of the ball every single year with pretty much like who they were. And then at LSU, like I said earlier, it's hard to imagine their defense because they've got some alphas. They've got some dudes They've got a now. great pool. They've got an incredible pool, Louisiana, Houston, et cetera, and the South. Florida. Florida. How much do you think that Dave Aranda is trying to learn how to construct or develop, as that word, or try to put together an entire roster on both sides of the ball? And how much of a challenge is that for someone who's been mainly 100% defensive coordinator? Roster management has jumped to almost equal to coaching ability. You have to evaluate and you have to have roster management at the top of your list because of what we just discussed between NIL, the portal, uh, you know, and, and I'm telling you something. I will tell people, I would never, all these recruiting coordinators, they're never going to pick one of my guys. Everywhere I've ever coached, of course, I'm older, I've been, I tell them, I told Art when I went there, I'm picking my coaches, I'm picking my players. I'm not, I'm not going to take somebody else's player. Uh, and one of the things I was awful proud of at Baylor, we knew we probably weren't going to get five-star players on defense. We were a five-star offense. But we picked guys, the Eddie Lackey, uh, the Taylor Young, uh, the the uh, Smith, the D lineman. Uh, we we got a cable and we got Billingsley. He was a big get. But we took and managed guys that that had that were able to be what we wanted. They might not be five stars, and that's what that Baylor's got to do. Baylor's got to look at that portal, and they've got to say, all right, and and you know maybe not look at what what Michigan has. Or, hell, I'm telling you. You can go to eastern New Mexico. You can find football players if you evaluate. And I don't care, offense or defense, whoever, if it's Jeff on offense and Dave on defense or Matt, you have to evaluate and you got to hit on the talent. I don't see right now, I don't see a dominant D lineman, a dominant linebacker. uh, The two best guys in the secondary you mentioned earlier are freshmen. Mm Mm-hmm. On the offensive line, we, we, we don't have an offensive line that, that, that you would say, hey, is a great player. Uh, we're average at running back, uh, maybe slightly above at receiver. We don't have a lot of playmakers. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people – I don't know about y'all, but it's come to that point where, where you better realize it. 
because this recruiting is going to be big. Uh, we, Paul Catalina and, and I, we still absolutely deserve an asterisk on the Andrew Billings commitment. <laughs> I just saw where he got a new contract. Yes, I he just did. laughed. He did. Yeah. I just, I just, let me tell you something. Anthony, his dad, and I, we still visit. That will be one of my, when I write my book, it's going to be one of my all-time stories. I'd already told Art, he's going to TCU. Well, we're not going to get him. <laughs> Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna plug Ahmad. Ahmad saw him before he went into that with y'all, and y'all too. Y'all helped. I mean, I don't know what it was, but what a joy he was and is. Uh, I don't think I'll tell you. We just gotten back from New Orleans to the Super Bowl, and I had uh, acquired a stomach bug of which I have never seen the equal. And I sat there. I thought he must have thought like, "What the hell is wrong with yeah. Paul?" I was. <laughs> He just, he just thought you were pissed because he was about to pick TCU. <laughs> yeah, was, yeah. yeah the, the Phil Bennett phone call in the parking lot at the station is still legendary. Can't wait for that to be a part of the book. Can't wait for the book. Phil, can't wait till next Monday. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Phil Bennett with us Mondays at just after 5 o'clock on 365 Sports. Okay, so USC changes defensive coordinators. What does all of that mean? We're about to hear from one of their analysts from Inside Troy on that and more. And this is 365 Sports. Riverbend Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street in Waco. Your home for the best in craft bourbons and craft beers. It is... uh, now we're we're still in the fall, so you've got the fall brews, but now it's starting to get into winter. You're going to see some of those uh, winter brews uh, coming out. I saw the Shiner uh, holiday package at the store the other day. So those winter brews are coming out. So if you're a craft beer fanatic, get to Riverman Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive, North 19th Street. They've got the best selection. Also, a second location. Look, if you're downtown, you just swing by and get something. And they're more specializing in the what's going on, the hip trends on social media, those kind of cocktails. They've got those there. Two great locations to serve you with Riverman Liquor and Wine, Lakeshore Drive and North 19th Street, and now on Franklin Avenue in downtown Waco. During Ram Power Days at Allen Samuels in Waco, get 2.9% for 72 months on new 2023 1500 Lone Star and Laramie 4x4 Crew Cabs, or 11000 off MSRP on Lone Stars and 12500 off MSRP on Laramie's. With so many companies and policies out there, it gets so confusing shopping for insurance, and I never know if I'm getting the policy that's right for me. Luckily, I met the team at the Niche Group Insurance Agency. With the Niche Group, you can go to one company and get access to coverage options from many insurance carriers, and you get to speak to a real person about your specific coverage needs. With the Niche Group, I know I'm getting the right coverage at the right price. If you need insurance, talk to the experts at the Niche Group at 1-800-258-8302. Pizza, burgers, and Bears football. There's no place around Waco that serves them all other than Bubba's 33. Come show your green and gold and enjoy some of Waco's best food and beverages while watching your favorite team, the Bears. When real Bears fans get hungry, Bubba's 33 is the number one spot for ice-cold drinks, hand-stretched, stone-baked pizzas, and bacon-infused burgers. Join us for indoor or patio dining. Bubba's 33, Waco's restaurant and proud supporter of Baylor Bears football. Sick em, Bears. Looking to connect with Baylor alums in your area? Baylor alumni can help. Looking to host a watch party in your city? Baylor alumni can get you started. 
Want to step out in your community and serve with other alums? Baylor Alumni is your connection with the university and each other. Let's get started. Learn how at baylor.edu slash alumni. Samantha Duball, Marketing Director for TexasBeefHouse.com. You know all about their great Wagyu beef and product they have. You can go to TexasBeefHouse.com for anything you want to order. But, Samantha, thanks for your time. There's an auction coming up in the month of November. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so November 11th, we're having our first public beef auction. Um, It's going to be here at our ranch in White House, Texas. It's going to be a live auction. You can bid in person. You can bid on the phone or we'll also have it online. And we're auctioning off Wagyu and Angus beef. We'll have 30 to 40 pound bundles. They'll be full of steaks, hamburger, and primals. This is perfect for not only the restaurant owners, but also homeowners. So if somebody wants to load up your deep freezer with some great, great product from a place that is just delivering all of the time, what Wagyu from their ranch to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. This is 365 Sports. Are you a Sikkim 365 super fan? Then try out our premium subscriptions at Sikkim365.com. RJ Abedier from Inside Troy, Ryan Abraham, and that great staff. He joins us. Uh, he was on with us earlier, RJ, a couple, two, three weeks ago with a game coming up. But also now the news over the weekend that Alex Grinch is out as defensive coordinator and USC moves on. RJ, thank you. With Craig and Paul, I'm David Smoke. Thanks for your time. It was just a matter of time. Is that correct? And why now? Well, I think for the for the first for the first part, yeah. I mean I there's just no other way to slice it. I have been a very, very strong um, proponent of the notion that USC was not just a coordinator change away from being good, that they still have a lot of work to do and that the talent there is nowhere near what you see on a top 10 defensive team. But that being said, they're also not a number 79 level of talent. And that's where they were at kind of as a defense. A lot of their numbers are even worse than that. They were in the triple digits and there's no argument to be made that the talent on that team should be performing at that level. So, yeah, I mean, I think the first part is I just think that, you look at, you know, the opponent putting up 49 and 52 points in consecutive games. It's just not going in the right direction. And so the, the second part is I think that it was a very, very crucial statement from Lincoln Riley to his players that he's not going to let loyalty get in the way of what's best for them. Um, and what's best for the program. And what's best for the program is to have a chance to play two games under different circumstances and get a chance to see if they can make things better, at least a little bit better over the next two weeks. And then obviously a full um, set of practices for bowl prep. You know, they they have seven wins. They're going somewhere. Um, And so I think there is significant value in, in having season time and games to play under different circumstances for these players, not just from a morale standpoint, from, from, but from a development standpoint. And, and look, from a results standpoint, at, at this point, you know, it, the USC defense was broken, just utterly broken to the point where, you know, prior to this Saturday, the previous two teams all surpassed their averages in total yards, in yards per carry, 
in yards per attempt. So it's just like everything works. So this was the time, and I do think there is value in doing it at the time that Lincoln Riley did it. Who do you suspect are outside candidates for the job? You know, it, the one thing about doing this now is it's tough to say because we're in November. We're in the, you know, we're in the climax of the season. And I think what things look like now versus what things look like in December are going to be significantly different. And the other thing that makes it difficult is, you know, I, I wrote on Saturday, yes, to, an, to a large extent, this was an Alex Grinch problem, but in a bigger picture, this is kind of a Lincoln Riley problem. If you look at his entire head coaching career, he consistently produces elite offenses and he consistently fails to produce anything even close to an elite defense. And that digs into, you know, your philosophy, your program building, your recruiting, your practicing, what you do, all that stuff. And we don't know for sure just how much Lincoln Riley is willing to change, which is just a long way of saying, you know, does he just reach back into the air raid tree? Does he just reach back into what's familiar? Or does he really go after, you know, an elite defensive coordinator or a position coach at an elite school whose time may have arrived? And there's just no way, there's just no way of knowing that. What I, what I will say is that he's, he's almost assuredly going to want somebody that's got legitimate coordinator experience. Um, that would be the best scenario. Um, somebody who meshes with what he does. But I think the other part, the other piece of this is it's got to be somebody that can recruit both locally and on a national level. Because again, as I said at the top, you look at USC's front seven and defensive line, you know, front seven talent, it's not as, it, first of all, it should be better than this but it's not what it could and should be. And it's not what it needs to be if they're eventually going to be good. So I, I, I think to throw names out right at the second would be a little questionable because we just don't know where Lincoln Riley's willing to go to get what he needs. RJ, uh, giving up 250-plus yards and four touchdowns to a guy on an offense that hasn't ran the ball all that effectively all year was was obviously one of the last straws here. Um, was that your biggest takeaway from the game against Washington, or was there perhaps something else that stood out to you about that contest? No, I think that's, I think that's the headlining moment, and actually it's the specifics of it that make it really, really just kind of tough to deal with um, if you're USC. First off, Dylan Johnson had never gained more than 100 yards in a game. That's crazy. He had 263 against USC. Secondly, you know, if you watched the game, there was an awful lot of indication on film that a lot of his big plays were set to be big plays before the ball was even snapped. Um, and I asked uh, All-American strong safety Kalen Bullock after the game, you know, how many of the big runs were – due to alignment issues or, or kind of pre-snap issues. And he basically said everything, all of them. So, you know, when you're talking about a team that's just not even lining up properly, you know, and is beat, like I said, before the snap on just way too many snaps, it's, it's broken in a way that has to be addressed. So uh, there was the emotions of Caleb Williams, depends on who you ask what they thought of that. Uh, obviously just crumpled into his mom's arms in the stands and bawling and 
and then she had him kind of covered up with the sheet. How did that go over in L.A.? You know, I think most people chose to take the more optimistic view of it all. I think most people were willing to stay away from the cynicism um, that, that people could choose to take. You know, look, it was it was an upsetting loss for the whole team. I mean, basically, if you saw the post-game press conference, they, they, they brought in seven guys. Caleb Williams was one of them. And the looks on their faces were just utter disgust, utter frustration, and kind of utter embarrassment. You know, it, it's not what you sign up for when you sign up to come play for USC. So, you know, I, I think – what you saw on camera with Caleb Williams was very indicative of what the vast majority of that locker room felt. And it's that, it's that specific kind of defeat where everyone told you you were supposed to be good. You thought you were supposed to be good. And suddenly you are just not, you realize you're not as good as you think you are. And, and that's not specifically a Caleb Williams commentary, but that's just the team. And that realization, that's tough. That's tough to deal with for young players. That is the most unique way I've ever heard that put where the, 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 where it hits you that you're not, because I don't think in any way, shape or form, they were thought that they were getting their third loss until a bowl game. And that was everything went wrong for them this year. They, they were planning to be in the CFP. Yeah, that's a hundred percent right. And look, a function of this is certainly the imbalance of their schedule, but the bottom line is they were six and out. And in the last four games, they're one and three. They needed, you know, a huge comeback to win the one, which is against the low at the non-ranked team of the four. So this is just a team that like, you know, like we said, like they went out there against good competition and they just didn't measure up in any way, shape or form. Now the offense, the last two games certainly did perform and certainly did what needs to be done if you can't. If you can't make 42 points stand up at home, then it's like we said, you know, you're not what you thought you were. But that's tough. You know, that's a little tougher than a situation where you kind of go into the season thinking you're not going to be good and, and the expectations are kind of minimized. And that doesn't exist at USC. So, you know, it, it, it was tough. And, and it's, it's a reality, I think, that's dawning on the fan base and everybody that, is there a path back to elite status for this program? Of course there is. Um, but there are no shortcuts. And it is going to take time, and it's going to take longer than I think most fans want to admit. RJ, at least things uh, ease up this week in 08. Uh, they go to number 6 yeah. Oregon playing in Eugene. And they got UCLA on, on the back end of that. But uh, Oregon, just your thoughts in general on this game. Do you see any rays of hope or light for, for the Trojans rolling in here, things that uh, could bounce or or things that uh, matchup-wise you feel like they can uh, have some success from? Well, the tough thing for USC is that in a normal situation for a non-USC team, there's definite there's, there's a definite possibility that suddenly you can wear that underdog cloak. You can wear that. You can put that chip on your shoulder, and you can get a little underestimated by an elite team. The problem is that nobody in the Pac-12 sleeps on USC, and certainly not an Oregon team um, who has gauged you, engaged USC in a very personal and very local way on the recruiting front for years um, and kind of stands as, you know, a level of program that USC is not at right now. Um, so, you know, you know they're going to be licking their chops up there because 
So I, I don't. I, I think it's going to be, as of now, I think it's going to be a rough night. I think the best sign of optimism is, look, they still have Caleb Williams. They still have an elite offense. And there are no longer championship expectations. Like they, that, that, that thing we talked about, that we're supposed to be good thing, that's Oregon's to wear now. You know, Oregon's supposed to go out there and look really good. They probably will. But, you know, if USC wants to play that underdog card and, and, and lean into that, that might be a path to some success. But it, it's tough to look at that game on paper and find a lot of reason for optimism if you're, if you're on the USC side. RJ, last thing for me is that uh, it's L.A. They like glitz and glamour. We know that no matter what teams we're talking about. Does Caleb Williams alone still give them enough glitz and glamour to go to home games? You know, I think given the fact that there's one home game left and it's the rivalry game, yeah. Yeah, UCLA, yeah. Um, and I, so I think that's going to be fine. You know, if this, you know, if, if they start the season 0-3 or 0-4 and then everything collapses, then no. I, I think in L.A. you're not going to get that kind of crowd. But they'll be fine. They'll be playing in front of a sellout at Austin. They'll be playing in front of a – if it's not sold out, it'll be pretty close for UCLA. So I don't think they're going to get hurt too much in that regard. I think what's going to be really interesting is how the team evolves for the bowl game and what that looks like and where they end up going and who they end up playing. Man, good stuff, RJ. Thank you as always. We appreciate your time and insight and the knowledge of what's going on. Thank you. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me. RJ uh, Betty uh, with us from Inside Troy. Ryan Abraham said a couple of weeks ago, he said, hey, RJ would be good for you because he was bunkered down in a bunch of podcast stuff, and we appreciate him letting us know about RJ and his insight with USC. When we come back, Paul Catalina's top five. Established in 2007 and independently owned, Alliance Bank Central Texas is committed to helping families and businesses meet their financial goals. From their tellers to their board of directors, they know the importance of superior service and competitive products. Customers have confidence knowing that their financial needs are in good hands. It's your bank, Alliance Bank Central Texas, with two Waco locations, 4721 Bosque Boulevard and 191 Archway Drive on Highway 84 and at AllianceBankTexas.com. Member FDI see an equal housing lender. In Texas, there's pea-sized hail and baseball-sized hail. Guess which one hit our house? We didn't even know where to begin, but we called our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent, and he was so reassuring. He knew exactly what to do to get our house back into shape and our lives back to normal. Now, we're even more thankful for the roof over our heads. Stop by and see our agents at one of our three McLennan County locations. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. Three Nations Brewing Company has 16 different beers on draft with a new beer every Friday. It also offers two air-conditioned tap rooms, a large indoor beer hall, a second-floor mezzanine offering a great overview of the brewing company and equipment and patio where you can relax under the shade. Plus, you can now experience the new Three Nations Beer Garden Grill on our shaded patio. Grab a cold beer and enjoy a bite from our freshly prepared and delicious menu. Street tacos, quesadillas, freshly cooked burgers and dogs, and veggie burgers, too. Nachos and and so much more all prepared and cooked on site. So come visit the award-winning Three Nations Brewing Company on East Vandergrift off I-35 in Carrollton. I hate my job, but I don't mind getting up in the morning. I dread each day, but I can't wait to get out of bed. You ask me why, and what I'll say to you is true. 
Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue. Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't fooling around. Salsa draft sun, they're the best in town. Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true. Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue. Time for Paul Catalina's Top 5. Brought to you by Texas Beef House. Where's the best beef in Texas? Your house when you order from Texas Beef House. Unleash the flavor of Texas raised Wagyu. From our pasture to your plate, TexasBeefHouse.com. Top 5 coaches on the hot seat meter. As we get towards the end of the season. Number 5. Cooling off a little, Dana Holgerson. If they get to a bowl game, which a win over Cincinnati would would get them one game closer, and a win over UCF, a team they've played a lot, would get them in, uh, then or a wild upset against Oklahoma State. But I mean, let's not let's not get crazy here. But I would say that. While there's still going to be heat around him, it's cooling off a little bit because if he can get him to 6-6, six and six, especially the way that they've kind of rolled through this first season of the Big 12, I think that that's something you can pause because I don't think they want to get rid of him. Uh, and he, he's got an, a lot of allies there. But like Craig said last week, this is a school that a couple years ago said, we fire coaches for going 8-4 and four at the University of Houston. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're still a game under 500. Yeah. So, I mean, great they beat Baylor, but I think it took all of uh, – 15 minutes watching that game to realize that wasn't some grand accomplishment. Now, it will be in the record books. They went into Waco. They beat a Big 12 mainstay in their first year, and it'll all look a lot better than it actually was in, you know, in reality. But, yeah, I mean, they got that win. They got very fortunate to beat West Virginia on a Hail Mary, um, and those are their two Big 12 wins. So, um, you know, besides that, you've beaten Sam, who stinks, and you've beaten UTSA in the opener by a field goal. So I'm not, like, super optimistic about where they are. If they get to a bowl game, though, then, yeah, I think that that's a great accomplishment given where they started off. I think that, um, you know, the, the Baylor win is big. It's just not – it doesn't prove that they're a good team. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, but, yeah, I think it's had to have cooled off just a, a tiny bit, uh, but certainly not off the uh, the burner entirely. No. Yeah. Number four. Still warm, but Sam Pittman got the win over Florida. Um, you know, that, that's got to maybe show some kind of uh, maybe buoys a little bit. I just think that this doesn't change the fact that Arkansas is just kind of there. Because if you really look at it right now, Florida is just kind of there. And they're not the Urban Meyer Florida or the Steve Spurrier Florida. They're not even the Dan Mullen Florida right now. They're, they are... Jim McElwain, Florida again, and Billy Napier, um, you know, still struggling to do that. But I would say that you get a win like that, you see what happens towards the end of the year and go. But I mean, even still, he's still in a hot seat. He he did do something to maybe go. Okay, well, maybe he can find something if he's got the resources. Go ahead. You got anything? No, I I, I just thought the the note by Berkowitz that at least locks him in. Yeah. You wonder if that. Because they're going to have to pay more money because of where he is. No matter if they lose their last three, more money. And are they going to write the check if, in fact, he if they fade at the end? Well, it's a lot of excitement for a third win on the year. Yeah. Um, but I do think that the buyout uh, does probably help his case uh, quite a bit. Um, you know, they're 
going to have to win out to go to a bowl game. That doesn't seem likely. They'll probably beat FIU, but uh, are they going to beat Auburn and Missouri uh, to close out the year? Now, both those games are at home, so who knows? I mean, they don't leave, again, uh, the, the the home turf. So, um, you know, three home games to close out the season. One of those definitely is a, is a win. The other two, we'll see. But uh, to beat an Auburn, I think, would definitely help his case this weekend. Uh, to beat Missouri at the end of the year, uh, maybe you're closing strong and, you, and you've really got an argument there. But, uh, yeah, just three and six still. Um, and like you said, I mean – they went into the swamp, though, too. Yeah. I mean, it was a swamp, but like you said, it's not even a good Florida team. But, hey, they won a, a you know, fun game uh, at the, the, you know, the end and in hostile territory, and they really needed that. So that was a, a good thing for, for Sam Pittman and company for sure. Three. There was a lot of Daffy Duck in there. I'm sorry. <laughs> Rising fast is Dave Aranda. Um, and... I think we're just at the point where we kind of can't get around this anymore uh, and, and talk around it in circles. The way forward for them, especially if they finish three and nine, which they are likely to do based on the fact that they will not be favored in any of these games. And the worst team that they are playing right now is a team that they can never figure out a way to beat in TCU. So history and numbers are against them. And just the way they've played has been wholly uninspiring. And then if you're the administration, you have to look down the barrel of trying to sell Dave Aranda coming back and and finding to him finding a way to shoot some energy into this program. But, man, I, I just... I'll just tell you, I cannot see a way through. I cannot see a way through that works out for him. Uh, I can see a way through, but it means that uh, your fan base is pretty checked out next year. Yeah. Um, because going through another offseason of the transfer portal and signing day and all of that, like it'd be one thing if they had a bunch of stars on the line that they're about to reel in, but they attacked the transfer portal heavy last year, mixed results at best um, to non-factors in some cases. So that's not a guarantee of anything. We just got through like the talk of uh, all the talented young players they have, but the fact that in this day and age, you can't say that you're going to be able to hold on to them all, especially the ones that play well. They're getting phone calls and DMs right away, Caden Jenkins among others, I'm sure. Um, so, I mean, even your young guy, Richard Reese, total non-factor this year, who had a big year last year. So, like, I, I just don't know what the plan is. I mean, if it takes this long for you to develop guys, then nobody has that kind of time because that should have been happening in the last couple of years. You don't have another year to like, well, we'll just wait until they're juniors. That doesn't, you can't do that today in college football. And you really couldn't do that, period, but you especially can't do it today to take, you know, your sweet time and getting these guys geared up and ready. Uh, I, I just, yeah, I'm like, I'm like you. I, I just don't know what they could possibly do other than winning out. And even then, like it would, you know, I mean, if they want out, that would be mightily impressive. But there's just no reason whatsoever from any performance this year to believe there is anything other than a 0% chance of that happening. Because they're going to get blown Uh, out this weekend. And if they don't, it's a miracle if they don't get blown out in Manhattan. I asked this question. Uh, He knows. He even brought it up himself before I did about the storm around his name. Uh, They signed him an extension in 2021. Did anybody bitch about that? No. 12-2, and is anyone? I'm not defending Dave Aranda. Has they ever had a better football team than 12-2? and No. Uh, I know that they're going backwards, and the fear is, and what Mac Rhodes has to decide, is are they about to be lapped? Have they already been lapped? And if they do stay status quo, um, does he trust the staff 
to find a way to find a way to fill that roster up and quickly and do it right. I understand it was the greatest year in school history, but it's also two years ago. And how much magic does that really have? I mean, what do we? You get a three, four year buffer for winning the Big Twelve in a Sugar Bowl? Is that is that what the the rules are? Because I, I don't think that it should work that way. He should get a little bit of a grace period. Guess what? That was last year. Guess what? That's most of this year. There's no signs it gets better next year. So. I mean, how long does that last? How much, how much goodwill does that give you? And, and I'll put it the way I put it in good, the bad, the ugly. This is as simple as I can put it. When, and I like Dave Aranda. I don't want him to be fired. I want him to be a successful head coach here. But this is how I have to wrap my own brain around it. You at one point in time, not long ago, were nationally relevant. Pretty much consistently. You're nowhere close to nationally relevant now. You're an, a complete afterthought nationally. You're an ESPN Plus brand at the moment. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to be nationally relevant all the time. You're an afterthought and not relevant in the Big 12, where at least every year you are somewhat competitive. The only reason you're not at the bottom is because there's new schools that are brand new to the league who are adjusting, like Cincinnati and UCF. Other than that, BYU's above you, and now Houston's above you with the head-to-head win. So you're not even relevant within the conference. Okay, that's fine. Let's brush that up. How about the state of freaking Texas? You've lost to Texas State at home. You've mm-hmm. lost to Texas at home. You've lost to Texas Tech at home. You've lost to freaking Houston at home. And you're probably not going to beat TCU because you never do. So you are at best borderline 8-9 in the state. Not to mention SMU's joining the ACC and throwing millions upon millions of dollars at their football product. Uh, like I said, you lost to Texas State and Houston, two teams you at least had a leg up on, but now that's not even the case. So that's as damn as I can make it sound. You're, you're not even relevant within the own, your, your own state at this point in time. So that, to me, is, is something that dawned on me thinking about it yesterday, and I hate that it's got to that point, but that's as clear as I can make it of the problem they find themselves in right now. Well, yep. you need to be on the judge and jury then because that, you, you wrapped it up pretty well. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and, again, um, <laughs> if, he was the, if he was the prosecuting attorney yeah. and I got up and I was I, like, I guess we like him. I guess that my <laughs> deal is I, 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 hate to see, I hate to see people fired. Oh, and me yet, too. Yeah. I, and I'm not – let me say something. I hate to see people fired, and everybody does. And I know that coaching business, that's part of it. And he mentioned today twice, he knows that this is a business. And, uh, man, from 12-2, and two, a genius to the Jedi. Well, at that time, in that season, what I heard during that season is when he took Matt Rule's players and made them better and found better fits for them and got them in even more opportunities to play well, even though Rule's last year – they were pretty good. In 21, that's what I heard. Now it is he won with Matt Rule's players. And that's probably very true, too. And so it, it's just amazing how things can change. And that's why what I don't understand, and at some point if there is a change, question for Mac Rhodes might be, why did you extend him? Because you were worried about him leaving for USC? Were you worried about him leaving for uh, Wisconsin or Oklahoma? Or elsewhere, and it, that is where that is that that nuclear arms race, not with facilities, but coaching salaries, and how they've gotten out of control in these extensions. And man, you wonder sometimes how many people there's going to be somebody that whether it's Leipold or Kleiman, they've already signed extensions, and they're both really good. Somebody else is going to get an extension, and and it's just like you almost are competing against yourself. But in that case, not, you had not, competition. Not, not almost in almost every instance, but they in that are. year. In that year, the fear was he could bolt. And if he would have bolted and Mac Rhodes would have let him leave, and then they go 
five and six or six and seven. Mac Roach is under a lot of heat too. People would have lost their shit on him. Yeah, that's, they would have. That's true. Number two, a blaze. Dino Babers, uh, the seat there at, at Syracuse, they're zero and five in the ACC right now after starting out four and zero. And this has kind of been the year. Um, over and over and over and over again uh, for Syracuse. Uh, Dino Babers has had some success. He's not having success at Syracuse now. Um, he's a really good offensive coach. I'm not sure, um, you know, w- you know what the future holds there. But um, right now, like Syracuse has been an afterthought in every conference they've been in in football since Donovan McNabb and Marvin Harrison left. Uh, and they have these moments where it looks like they're, they're kind of trending up and then they, they, they fall back down again. Um, last year, it looked like they'd maybe turn the corner. This year, they start out 4-0, and they're 0-5 since then. And I don't think Dino Babers is going to make it uh, out, of, out of upstate New York this year. Yeah, I don't think – I mean, I'm sure we're missing out on some guys that have made the NFL, but I don't think it's good when you're you're always having to cite players who have been retired yeah. for, like, several years at this point from the yeah. NFL. You know, it's like – and they had Donovan McNabb. It's like he's been retired for seven years from his <laughs> pro career. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I get I get it, though, but that's, that's kind of a sign. I mean, they made a bowl game last year, so there was that, but um, hard-pressed to, to really polish it up too much when you're dead last in the conference. So – um, yeah, I mean, that's not a program I honestly spend a whole lot of time thinking about. It's, oh, yeah, Syracuse. Uh, and I'm sure they feel the same way, you know, when, when Baylor's mentioned or Iowa State or, you know, some some Big 12 programs. But, uh, yeah, he's been there a very long time uh, at this point for, for a coach. And um, it's kind of is what it is at this point. You're hovering between five, six, and seven wins basically most years. And right now they're right up against what maybe went in five or six games again. So, yeah, it just feels like they're sort of – paddling water uh, at this point all right paul and number one oh the humanity jimbo fisher this is like there's not like loud noise around this which uh if i'm uh jimbo fisher i'm actually concerned about because before dennis francione and kevin sumlin got fired um mike sherman maybe not so much this uh, this kind of that situation kind of just petered out but with Particularly Dennis Francione and, and Kevin Sumlin, um, I could sit here on a like if you found a quiet spot in Waco. If I turned and listened towards the south, you could hear people yelling about those guys and firing them. Not hearing that yet from like the big people at A and M because again his contract is so prodigious. But if they're gonna pay him anyway, it, like I think there's two schools of thought. One, you get rid of him. And see what happens. And then there's the other ones like, oh, let's see how he does against Texas and Oklahoma. And I'm not sure they really want that. Like, do you really want to go through that? Do you want to well, let, another year, yeah. let him let him stay and then watch Steve Sarkeesian roll into College Station next year and beat AM? Do you want to see that? And maybe he still will or won't with a different coach, but I can tell you right now, if you're telling me Sark versus Jimbo. Whatever field you want to, I'm taking Sark every time. Every time. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's not good. Um, I've heard some A&M fans that have uh, made their decisions uh, pretty clear and, and the line's been drawn in the sand. So I, I definitely heard some people outspoken about uh, this just isn't working and there needs to be a change. But I think the problem you run into is the buyout for one, although we all acknowledge that the buyout can be paid, but it's just the – 
It's the other part that you just mentioned there is, are you really better off, like, next year, for example, if you fire Jimbo right now? Who's the guy? Are you going to bring Elko back? Is that the plan? Yeah. Um, are you going to go money whip somebody else? I mean, who's even out there that's a great candidate at this point? You'll get Matt Campbell? Like, I, I, I don't know, because yeah. Jimbo was the big swing. So I don't know how many other big swings are really out there. Um, and, yeah, do you want to restart, basically? Although nobody has to really restart these days. Yeah. But do you want to press a little bit of a reset button the very first year that Oklahoma and Texas come rolling in, knowing damn well they don't need to reset anything? Like, Sark's the guy. Um, Venables is the guy. You know, they're having pretty successful seasons, even though Oklahoma's taking a couple of lumps. Yeah, I don't know. Are you basically just throwing your hands up as far as next year goes with those new teams rolling in, or do you feel like, hey, he's he's been around a little while. That'll give us a slight advantage with them rolling in, and let's see what happens you know, next year. And if he loses to Texas, then boom, that's the final straw. Or if he loses to Oklahoma and Texas, that's the final straw. Yeah, I don't know. That's uh, that's the big money broker's big decision uh, to, to make here eventually. But, yeah, it's, it's – you know, the They're becoming guys, a bit of an afterthought. The same guys who decided they could throw I know. a ton of money – at a 10-year deal with uh, basically no out and a massive buyout are the ones that are going to end up writing the check to get rid of him if that time comes and then go give more money to somebody else. So if you start... How do they fire yeah. the ones making the decision? Exactly, yeah, exactly. And if you start from Jackie Sherrill on... Now, before Jackie Sherrill... Texas owned the AM rivalry. But since Jackie Sherrill, plus the school has changed a lot. It used to be just an all-male military school. From Jackie Sherrill on for a while, AM had finally like pulled even with Texas. And towards the end of the Southwest Conference, they were ahead of them for a little bit. But like everybody else that's been in the Southwest Conference of the Big 12, no one has been able to kill the dragon. They just put him to sleep for a little while and wait till he eats. And then so they've got to figure out how they can keep that. And like, they're never going to kill a dragon is my point. Yeah. They've got to figure out how to keep pace with them like they were doing before. But I do think they've got the wrong thing in their head of like, if we do this, we'll finally kill a dragon. You're not killing the dragon, no, man. No. Just try to keep pace. Well, I mean, between 2011, they had like the sugar bowl with Sam and there's been yeah. a couple of moments, but if you were going to do it, you had your opportunity over the last 10 years to do that. And yeah. uh, nobody was able to finish it off. Baylor, looking like they were going to take – I mean, they're never going to, like, jump Texas by any no. – but, I mean, as far as, like, you know, discussion and whatnot, and then their scandal happens, and then it blows up, you know, and then A&M has Johnny Football, and then it's we've seen how that's petered out with Sumlin and now now Jimbo as well. And, and yeah, you're never going to kill that dragon, but they'd have the best opportunity to at least, you know, put up the best fight for it. And, yeah, they got a, they got a big decision to make, man, on, right. on how they want to proceed with that moving forward. Thank you, Paul. Craig, uh, somebody in the chat room to close it out. Uh, Craig – uh, is like the unfrozen caveman lawyer. The best speaks the truth. <laughs> SNL sketch like what? ever made. Thank you. The yeah. best you. SNL sketch ever made. All right, uh, Jack Appreciate McKenzie that. and Garrett, we're in the studio again today. Uh, we will, in fact, be back again tomorrow. Don't forget tonight at 1030, 365 Sports Tonight, right uh, on the CW. Uh, we... Uh, Got a lot to get to. There's a lot, a couple of extra stories now on Michigan. The Big Ten has informed them, the NCAA. And now there's a story about a, a coach who was told by other coaches among the Big Ten to use Michigan's game plan. Yeah. Central Michigan, you know if that was Connor Stallions or not. Yeah. You absolutely know whether that was. Just Come tell on. us. Just tell us Come and on. move on. I'm David Smoke for Paul and Craig. Have a great night. Thanks to our fantastic group of sponsors. This is 365 Sports. 
Ideal MRI is a small family business right here in Central Texas. We're open to support you while lowering the cost of health care bills. When you need an MRI, ask your doctor for an Ideal MRI. Visit us at IdealMRI.com or call us at 833-IDEAL-MRI. 